everybody. Welcome to the final episode of Full Throttle Podcast. <laughs> we lied to you a couple months ago. We said we're going to end this, um, but we figured, hey, let's milk this for a couple more episodes because we didn't expect the downloads to get actually higher. <laughs> the show's actually growing in reruns. It's, it's bizarre. Um, you guys all rock. What's, yeah, it, it's. I, I didn't expect, like, Airwolf and Dukes of Hazard. we did two and a half years, well, almost two and a half years ago. Um, Holy this crap! Was originally planned as a one-year show. Uh, we were going to do one episode a month. Uh, that didn't go well. <laughs> and plus, we found filler episodes <laughs> to do because we decided not just to do TV shows. We also decided to do movies or particular genres that, like you know, like the trucker ones we did. Um, so we extended a little bit more because, hey, guess what? Fast and Furious Eight's out, and we figured, hey, why don't we wrap the show up with this? Uh, even though I haven't seen it, have you? Have you seen the last Me, chapter? No, no. <laughs> it's okay. I will see it in the theater, though. It, I will see it in the theater if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> Even if I have to be that guy that goes by himself. Uh, go to the dollar theater. Right. <laughs> I I, uh, I hate going to the movies when there's, like, one other dude. I'd rather be in a completely empty theater because I went and saw Scream 4 with one other guy, and it was a horror movie, of course, and he kept moving around behind me and freaking me out. <laughs> and I was like, no! <laughs> I'd rather be by myself. Do you remember? That was, I'm sorry. I won't do that to you anymore, man. <laughs> <That was, laughs> do you remember when we went and saw, I think it was Copycat, in a very empty theater? It was just me, you, my sister, and then over in a corner was like a crazy homeless man who kept screaming like horrifying things at the screen. Shoot him in the head! Copycat. Slit his throat! We're like, we should leave. Nah, we paid for it. Let's, let's just keep going. That was Harry Connick Jr., right? Copycat? Yeah. I don't think he was okay, the villain. Gotcha. I think he was the, uh, the, he was... the decoy. He was the, right. The MacGuffin. <laughs> I think your your sister went and she thought you know because she was in love with him at that point. I think. Oh yeah, who but, doesn't um, love Harry Connick Jr.? He's great, but yeah, you're right about that. Right? <laughs> Did a horrible crush on him. Right. She actually. But then uh, he turns out to be this. No, uh, anyway. But. <laughs> uh, hey, guess what we just did? Final episode. We still can't manage to not segue into other things. Um, that's my fault. Uh, <laughs> if you can hear in the background what sounds like someone taking a shower while recording, actually, that's that's exactly what we're doing. We like to uh, fit in as much as we can into a day, so it's. Uh, I'm just that's taking right. a shower while recording. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the flush. Um. <laughs> um, so let's just, huh, oh boy. So uh, as you've probably been, if you're a regular listener of the show, you might notice that we've been teasing for like six months a spinoff. It was going to be called Full Throttle Sci-Fi. We have decided that that doesn't really fit with exactly what we're talking about because some of the sci-fi shows aren't really action-oriented. Like Quantum Leap isn't really action-oriented. But it's a great sci-fi no. show that should be discussed. So we are kind of sitting on a name right now called Next Planet Over. Um, that should be a new podcast where we discuss TV shows around sci-fi and fantasy and otherworldly kind of things. Kind of opens up the field because we can even discuss like you know X Files, which is more like horror and uh, aliens and stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, probably gives me a reason to what? Gives me a reason to Netflix binge. Yep. <laughs> we probably won't do Star Trek because I think there's probably about 10 million podcasts about Star Trek. We're trying. I think. I think the plan is to focus on shows that are kind of forgotten or. Uh, really short-lived, so it never really got to have an audience that it deserved. Like, my favorite show of all time uh, when it comes to sci-fi is The Voyagers. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's Briscoe County Jr. There's all sorts of stuff we're going to discuss. But um, we ran out of shows really about cars and uh, planes and helicopters and motorcycles. I mean, we could have milked it with some sci-fi stuff, but then that's when the birth of the new show started. <sighs> You know, we left out the mopeds in that. We, oh, I'm sorry, guys. Yes, I we really dropped the ball on this one. 
the episode where Chips had a spinoff about the cops who weren't good enough to ride motorcycles, and all they did was do that little thing. You remember your kid when you go around the little town on little tiny motorcycles? <laughs> it's all about. Remember, that. I had the was it a seventy six, seventy eight, something like that. I don't know what year it was. Was that little red moped, uh, Honda moped that I had right after high school? Yeah, 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 yeah. and it didn't last very long. Did I it? spent. I spent all my hard-earned money from my graduation party on that stupid thing. <laughs> it is the kind that had the pedals in it. And <laughs> oh, my God. All right, let's anyway. do this. Fast and Furious. Uh, you know, we could keep doing this, but, you know, the series is probably going to go on and on and all the spinoffs and sequels. I noticed, though, that uh, people aren't that excited about the new one. The box office has kind of dropped, which I actually expected. I think a lot of the rush of uh, Part 7... Not rush. Uh, the need to go out and see it in theaters was because of Paul Walker. Um, right. And, and no one really considered him a great actor. I think he was underrated. I think he did some good stuff that people haven't noticed. Uh, Running Scared probably being his best film. Um, yeah. But I think people were like, you know, I, they felt it. You know, he was like an everyday kind of guy. You know, just a, a cool, nice guy. Did a lot of stuff for charity and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So I think that's why Part 7 did so much better. Um, and eight, I gotta tell you, Vin Diesel is actually the least interesting character in the whole franchise to me. Yeah, well, he didn't say much. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it depends on who you are, but there is, anyway. There's the most famous line that he has is, I live my life a quarter mile at a time or something like that. And uh, there's a joke in this movie, Torque, which is uh, Fast and Furious on motorcycles. And someone says that, <laughs> they go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that. I could live that way, but... <clears throat> All right, let's start the beginning. Part one. Um, now, let me tell you this. I actually didn't like part one the first time I saw it because I kept going, oh, this is just point break, but with cars. Mm, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe kind of, I suppose. But well, a lot, of movies, I, I'm in this. a lot of movies are like other movies. I mean, there's hardly anything original. Everything reminds you of something else. So I should have given it more credit. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I've, I've not watched this movie probably since maybe a couple years after it came out. I, I watched it when it came out in the theater. Eh. And then I watched it again on DVD when it was released, but then I have not watched it again since. But I said, I, my wife, love her to death. She found me uh, the box set that's like inside of a wheel and everything. It's really cool looking box set. So I got to watch them all again, and I'm watching it now for the first time in a long time, and I really like it compared to some of the later iterations of it. Yeah, um... in my opinion, it's written better. Yeah, the first one, of course, is heavy on cars. As the series progresses, I think their focus on the car chases uh, diminishes. But at the same time, if you kept doing it in every single entry, I think it would kind of wear out its welcome. It's nice that they stopped doing the drag racing and that they start adding more James Bond kind of adventure into the, the yes. franchise because it would have burned itself out. I do like that. It did get better, in my opinion, as it went on. After the first couple, like the first, the second movie and the third movie, blah, blah, blah. But then after that, it started getting even better, I believe. Yeah. Uh, first one, of course, it has the whole storyline, you know, Paul Walker, um, brah. <laughs> Actually, that's part two, where <laughs> Therese keeps calling him brah. And me and my sister would walk around uh. and say that all day. Cause like, is he saying bra? What is he saying? Brah. Brah. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> uh, so we have him as Brian, and uh, he's going undercover to get, uh, basically, you know, all these thieves that are hijacking trucks, getting their cargo, trying to pin down who it is. It's part of the street racing circuit. Is where they're connecting it, you know, and he's going after Vin Diesel. And then uh, Rick Ewan is the villain in this one, who is actually a pretty solid villain. He would be in the James Bond movie, um, crap. It's the one with uh, Holly Berry. Uh, World is Not Enough? World is Not Enough. Yes. Okay. I think that's what it is. is that World is Not Enough? 
see. It, go, it goes GoldenEye, Tomorrow Never Dies. No, I think the third one, the one with Denise Richards is World Is Not Enough, and then Die Another Day. It's Die Another Day. He's the villain in that. Okay. Uh, really accomplished martial artist, too. Uh, not a lot of people know who he is, but he pops up here and there in genre films. Um, good villain. I think I think the whole series had pretty solid villains, uh, except for The Weakest Entry, which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, but it does set up a world that I think people had never seen. Like the L.A. underground kind of, not a full-on mm-hmm. criminal element, because uh, I don't really consider street racing like, it's not a violent crime. Um, it just kind of breaks rules, which is a cool way to present something rebellious and risky um, without outright just saying, hey, criminal behavior, let's embrace this. <laughs> right, right. Let's say I've always been a big proponent of, you know, keep it, keep it on the track kind of guy, but who of us growing up as teenagers didn't feel like, you know, the need to, to do something along those lines, but and I think that's speed? contributed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially after that game came out. But anyway, that movie's I think bad, that's why this movie did so well. Speaking of Fast and Furious kind of inspired movies, the speed movie is not bad. I actually liked it. I have, okay, as a, please nobody hurt me. I've not seen that movie yet. Hey, what? <laughs> the Michael Keaton factor alone should make you watch this. I'm like, I'm a big fan of the Need for Speed franchise as a as a whole. Anyway, I've played every game at least five times, but not seen the movie yet. Here's the weird thing is I've never played any of the Fast and Furious games. There's a game for like every single movie, and I don't think I've played a single one because usually games based on was movies ne- are terrible. And it was. Uh, I, I've not. I don't know. I'm not sure if I've played every version that's been out there. I'm not even sure how many versions there are out there. But the one or two that I have played, they live up to that. <laughs> it was. It was not good. <laughs> they, and the same thing for Vice Versa. They can't seem to make a good movie out of a video game. I want to see Rad Racer. I don't care if it's a short film. Not Rad Racer. What's the one where we... Road Rash. Road Rash would be a fun movie. To... I did watch Ratchet and Clank recently, and that was pretty good. Legend, I haven't seen that one. I kind of gave up on video game movies. I was like, ah, man, sure, whatever. If you like it, I guess you'd... But I do like Ratchet and Clank. That was a fun game. I don't really... Oh, yeah. I, don't, I didn't get into Assassin's Creed, but I heard that was a decent... I've not seen that one either, but... So no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Fast and Furious, of course, surprised everybody with a massive opening. It made more in its opening weekend than its budget. Uh, barely, but still, I think people were shocked that, like, in the middle of April, this movie comes out and, and makes $150 million, and everybody's talking about it, and immediately, <laughs> Vin Diesel goes, yeah, sure, I'll be in part two, but you gotta give me $20 million. And they're like, hold, what? <laughs> so he's not in part two. Paul Walker signed on for $10 million. And I gotta tell you what, I actually like the second one better than the first one. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's very candy colored. It looks like a video game. I'll give it that. I will definitely give it that. It's not in reality it's, at all. It's, a, it's not in reality. There's some stuff in there like, no, 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 no. What's it, um, oh, what's her name? From, from the, the, the Asian girl that wrote. Oh, from Sin City. John, John Rule. Uh, she looks remember. like, she's painted plastic. That's what she looks like. <laughs> well, she looks like a, a grown baby. So, yeah, it looks, definitely looks very video game-like. Anyway, um, Devin I don't Aoki, know. Devin Aoki. That name doesn't sound... I'm looking at it, but I guess that's her. Um, yeah, she was a brief thing for a little while. I remember we were in Monter- when we lived in Monterey, my sister was at a cafe, whatever, and she was there, and she was like, holy crap, i got to try to get a picture! And it didn't come out well at all. <laughs> well, she's a good actress. It's just, it, in, at least in this movie, she looked like she was a plastic stand-in or something. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like her dialogue. <laughs> I thought it was annoying. But this is the introduction of no. Ludacris, too. A lot of these characters would come back later. They introduced Ludacris and uh, Tyrese Gibson as Roman and uh, Parker. Um, who uh, their chemistry in the later films amuses me to no end because 
uh, Roman is all like impulse, whereas Parker is more um, the thinking that he kind of ponders stuff, and he's kind of like their gadget guru now. <laughs> he's their Q. I wish I could. <laughs> Q. I want to be Q. Can I be Q? Anyway, I um... love Q. Q would always like stop touching that James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Could you please, please bring something back in one piece? <laughs> what is this anyway. dude? That's my sandwich. Put that down. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh Cole Who's Hauser the is a great villain in this one. Cole Hauser is still alive. I've always wanted the series to turn into its own version of like the Justice League where we have the good guys and then you get all the villains who have survived the series together to form a super team. And Cole Hauser's character is still alive and I feel like they should bring him back. Cole Hauser Dang it, come on. He's the good lord <laughs> in the second one. He's the one, remember the scene where they put gotcha. the rat on his stomach, on that guy's stomach, and they put the tin can over it, and they start heating it up, whatever. What a horrifying, horrifying way to go. Right, right, right. Now, I'm having a hard time. This is a sad part. I should know what he's from, but dang it. Oh, Cole Hauser's a character actor. His dad was a character actor, too, Wings Hauser. Uh, Cole Hauser's name was Dazed and Confused. Uh, he was in this cool right. called The Cave, Paparazzi. Um, he was in uh, Olympus Has Fallen. Um, I thought he was in a couple other big movies, but I can't think of them right now. Pitch Black is what I'm thinking of him from. Oh, that, yes, Pitch thank Black. You. Thank you. Yes. I was uh, another Vin Diesel movie. But anyway, I was the one who Dazed and Confused is the first one I was remembering. Yeah. I couldn't remember the name of it, but okay. Uh, yeah, so this one didn't make as much as the second one, uh, or as the first one, and I think the studio kind of held back on spending that much money on Paul Walker or Vin Diesel again. Uh, so the third one is a totally different direction. People hate this week. I love this. Um, Tokyo Drift Tokyo. is it's it's more of a spinoff than its own, you know, part of the core series. I feel like uh, since Vin Diesel's only in it in a brief cameo, otherwise it's not connected. I I don't. Well, well, hold on a second. We got Han. Han's part of part yeah. three, so yes, okay, so it's part of the series, but it still feels like a spinoff because neither of our core actors are in it. Well, I love that. Uh, we'll get to that point. What was it? Fourth or fifth movie? He said, "I thought his girlfriend." That's 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 just. What's her name? What's her name? We're talking about Han's Damn. girlfriend, Gal Gadot. Yeah, Gal Gadot. Gal, yeah, Wonder Woman. Anyway, I'm like, <laughs> like I know her. I know her. How do I know her? I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. Like. <laughs> But no, she says, I thought you were going to Tokyo. Ah, uh, we'll get there. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's the weird thing, and it throws me off, because um, part three takes place after part six, or at the end of part six. But right. if you look at the kid as he progresses, they come back to him in part seven, like, oh, no, clearly a decade or so has gone by. There's no way. Your forehead's gotten a lot bigger, and the lines of your face are much more prominent. Right, right. I guess he's being uh, brought into part eight, uh, which is good, because I actually like his character. He's a cocky little guy. I liked him. Was, what's the guy's name uh, from Full – not Full House. But Home I guess Full Improvement. House. Uh, Home Improvement. Yeah. Zach Bryan. Zachary Ty Bryan. Yeah, he's, he, uh, yeah. I don't know why. I can never see him as a serious actor. I don't uh, know why I can't do it. It's just <laughs> – He played Thor in a directed video sci-fi movie, and the whole time I'm going, oh, it's TJ or whatever his name was on Home Improvement. <laughs> <laughs> he's adorable. Yeah, and the second one, I love the opening, the car chase sequence fantastic and then of course he gets his butt sent to japan to live with his dad and uh he gets embroidered in the whole underground racing is connected to the yakuza i just thought it was a really cool story setting yeah i liked it too I, it took me a while to come around to it though i had to watch it four or five times and as a mustang fan i really didn't like the idea of dropping a foreign motor in the classic mustang but other than that yeah <laughs> i had to cry a little there but it, 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 i i <laughs> 
I went to a stuttering <laughs> thing. There is one thing. You and I are muscle car guys. We like the old school classic. Right. Um, the little cars, and I know they're powerful and people love them, but they look like you can put a quarter in the back. It does. It just looks right? like you can run off a penny, and, and that's and they're so compact and weird looking, and the 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 colors that are underneath uh, ground effects, or whatever, they always just make them look like toys instead of real like badass cars. Right. It's a, my respect for the tuner crowd is the import crowd, I should say. It's it's actually grown a little bit over the years as I've seen more and more in person and felt the real power that's actually there. Um, problem is, and I think this is the big problem, there's too many people out there who we call ricers. I'm sorry. Um, for those of you who don't know, a ricer is someone who decorates their car to look like it's something that it isn't, not the ones that actually can get out there and do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there are just too many ricers out there. And we got just as many of those people doing that to their, you know, American-made cars too. So, um, but yeah, and that just paints a bad picture. <laughs> yeah, we don't really have a, whole, a huge racing culture out here. What we have is uh -uh. more of a showcase. Uh, West Coast, especially SoCal, is um, big on rat rods and, and bringing back old cars yes. and cleaning them up. Uh, it's a big thing in uh, Portland, too. Um, we have a big car show that comes out here every summer. It's, it's got the rockabilly vibe to it. It's got an old school. Uh, nothing really new. Uh, people don't really embrace the street racing thing. I think it's really more of an L.A. thing around here. Uh, I don't know. Is, is it that way where you are? Um, we got quite a few tuners around here, but honestly, I don't think we have a problem with them like they, would, like they do out east but, or west, excuse me, or, or even east, I guess. I yeah. guess it's on both coasts. But um, around here, we don't really see much of it. But then again, I think, honestly, and I could be wrong on this, but I mean, there's still some people out there do absolutely – I mean, you look at YouTube. It's covered in the crap that people do out on the highways and put people in danger. But um, I think that's the minority these days. I mean, when Fast and Furious came out, I think it picked up for a little while there, and there, the culture was already there. That's the whole reason the movie came out. But um, I think it's – people have gotten a little wiser. <laughs> Yeah, we used to have a huge car show. Um, when I was living in Pismo, uh, there was a car show out of, I can't remember all of a sudden, what, it was inland, and um, they wanted to get rid of the big, I mean, this is a big, big car show, and they wanted to get rid of it because they didn't like the elements that was there, which races. <laughs> like, uh, and right. so they had to move it to Santa Maria, um, which is heavy Hispanic, and they've embraced it, and it's helped the community. I don't know what it is about some of these like wine country uh, towns that want to get rid of that this kind of element. I was like, no, you need a wide variety to have a full-fledged city. Um, you can't just cater to mm -hmm. one type of person. And there's nothing wrong with I would say that there's more discipline and uh, maturity in trying to put together a car. And, and you know, you're kind of showing respect for yourself by being disciplined on how to learn how to do it properly. And then it kind of shows, you know, love for your community. You know, these people get together, they yeah. support each other, they teach each other stuff about cars, and I don't know. Yeah. It seems weird that some people treat it as if it's a criminal element. Right. There was a meme I read the other day essentially said, um, teach kids how to work on cars when they're young or develop that habit when they're young. They'll never have enough money to develop a drug habit. <laughs> Gearheads, <laughs> man, do not have time for drug habits. Right. <laughs> Committing That's crime. right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of strange when people say that, uh, oh, the hot rodders, they're ruining this town. It's like, what decade are you in? Are you still against rock right. and roll? <laughs> <laughs> man, man, I'm going to listen to my, uh, my Louis Prima, you know. 
Hey, Louis Primo's good. I know, I should have said that one wrong because he was kind of, uh, uh, I'm trying to get something stuffy. And, oh, no, I'm going to go listen to my ABBA. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing. As an eclectic, you, you really can't do anything for me. Sorry. <laughs> <It's terrible. laughs> so, anyway. Uh, so the series came back with part four. Now, I assumed after Tokyo Drift didn't do very well, I think it broke about even. It did well internationally, but it broke even. I was like, okay, well, this is probably going to have maybe one more entry at best. It's going to be a low-budget entry, um, or it's going to go straight to video because that's how Universal usually does it. They take their franchises and milk it for like five more fran- you know, five more movies on direct-to-video. I mean, look at Tremors. That should have had a, a yeah. sequel in the theaters, but no, it, it went straight to video. Um, but for some reason, they, they pulled out all the stops, and they said, you know what? Let's go in the opposite direction. Let's spend uh, even more money, which sounds insane, um, and let's get the original <coughs> cast back together. Let's spend $90 million. I was like, oh, this movie's going to tank. No one cares anymore. No. People moved on. No, it opened huge, and, and 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 it was a massive box office hit. Even though I think it's the worst, I am so bored with it. The four, four, Fast and Furious, which is the, yeah, this is when they start confusing titles. Like, wait, hold on a second. The Fast, you just took out the, and that's it. And it, why don't you just call it Fast Four? Fast Four, F Four. Yeah, they eventually started putting numbers in again. Thankfully, after five, <laughs> like which one is it? There it is. Okay, I'm trying to find it on here. <laughs> yeah, they actually have to put the numerals on the discs just so you don't get confused. Wait, I don't understand. Is this a prequel, a sequel? I don't know what's going on. Oh my head, my head. Um. Well, let's see. Is this? A, oh shoot. Yeah, this is the one where they ended up streets mass hires by their freedom one incites me. Yeah, Brazilian drug lord. Is this the one where? They have to cut across the border through those tunnels, one heavy, right? Yeah, I hate that ending. It's so dull, so boring. The villain isn't that Very. exciting. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like you know, a lot of the special effects look terrible. Yeah, that's my problem with this movie. I was, honestly, I kind of like the premise of it, but uh, that being said, the special effects really ruined it for me because there was a whole lot of CGI that was too obvious. Yeah. And, I mean, at that point in, in technology, well, it was 2011. No, that was five. Yeah, that was earlier. 2009. Oh, well, I don't know. I think they could have pulled it off. But still, still, yeah, 90 million dollars. I, I can't believe they right. had to try that hard to bring back Paul Walker and Vince because both had had massive amounts of flops right beforehand. So I don't right. know. Right. Uh, I think why I did so good is because because of Tokyo Drift and because of the fallout from it, everyone was ready to see the crew back together, and I think it was a great whether it was. Intended or not, it was a great marketing strategy. It was, and I feel like they should do that more often. I see franchises start to fall apart, and you're like, oh, well, if you get everybody back together, it'd be great. I was trying to think of something where they did that, and uh, I don't remember what it was, but I feel like, well, why don't you guys just go get everybody part of the original cast, and, and it'll do awesome. But I, for life, I can't remember what the hell it was. <laughs> eh, my brain, it's old. Mine's just fried. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so 4, I think, is the weakest entry, but thankfully it gave us what I think is the best sequel, is Fast 5. Mind you, I'm torn. Every time I watch Fast 6, I go, this is the best sequel. I watch Fast 5, this is the best sequel. <laughs> this is Bank Heist. It's got to be the best Bank Heist I've ever seen out of any movie I've ever watched, and that includes Ocean's Eleven, what have you. It's just it's insane. <laughs> the idea that just rip it out of the wall and go with it. It's just... <laughs> and it's flying around the road. She's like, oh, my God. Like my problem with it is okay, oh, she's always saying you didn't kill those guys, right? Yeah, you guys are the good guys. You're you're the I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, you bad guys, but you're not type of thing. But they were ripping through the city streets, throwing this freaking big ton, <laughs> tons, you know, uh, bank vault through buildings with people in it. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> like, um. But you know. 
We all know they all moved in time, right? Yeah, <laughs> they all knew. Oh, we got a warning. Uh, it was it was a smart app. Uh, it's when the, the oh time to run a Vin Diesel. It's the Vin app. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what happens in the the fifth one? I think is the fact that they introduced the international element. They brought back old cast members uh, from one, uh, two, yeah, in one and two, and and brought them. Oh yeah, and Han finally is part of it. Um, mm-hmm. It finally makes it a team. Like a big, it feels like the Avengers of car racing is what it is. It's like all these right. characters interacting. Uh, Universal Studios says they have no superhero franchises. I'm like, no, you do. They just don't wear capes. <laughs> That's right. They're yeah. every man. Yeah, they're the every man with a souped up vehicle. They're like Iron Man, but the, it's a car instead. Uh, and also <laughs> introducing uh, Dwayne Johnson into this. Uh, oh my God, I actually stop saying The Rock. I've been saying The Rock forever <laughs> and I feel terrible because it's been so many years since he used that. Uh, and he's an actual actor now. You know, he's not the way he was with Hulk right. Hogan, where he was just being Hulk Hogan in a different setting. No, Dwayne Johnson has done an excellent job of becoming a full-fledged actor. Okay, the only problem I had with this movie, as far as the lines go, and I do, I agree with you, as far as him being a great actor, but it had to be the writing. Like, one particular spot, is just, good news and bad news. Well, you know I like my dessert first. Like, All right, now give me the veggies. I'm like, what? And the way he delivered it, I'm like, just, it was very cut and dry i'm like eh, all right I'll, I'll watch a little while longer and, and give it a chance but he redeemed himself but yeah. i still just <laughs> the, yeah there's sometimes you, when you listen to stuff i'm watching uh, i was watching this movie with michael keaton called desperate measures and he has this big line uh where he's or a big chunk of dialogue where he's trying to convince andy garcia to let him go and it sounded like the most fake movie right Ooh, this sounds stupid no one actually talks like that i hate that we used to think it was cool when, like, Kevin Williamson scream in Dawson's Creek and Kevin Smith, you know, how they, they, they would listen to talk. I was like, that's not how people talk at all. It just sounds no. cool. Right, right. Well, you know. Uh, Sorry. No, it's okay. Awkward silence there as well, I think about what I wanted to say. The glory of editing. So we used to run each other over, but now I discover on Audacity there's uh, edit, like, uh, edit gaps or whatever. So it just takes out anything that's longer than 0.5 seconds. Whee! It's great! <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> All I was right. going to say, Joaquin, that Joaquin, the uh, Rise in this one, Reyes, I guess it was. Um, you can help me with this, and I know I can Google it, but what is it, what, what has he done that I should know? I'm trying to remember. Joaquin de Almeida. Al- Almeida. Oh, right. He's the bad guy in um, Clear and Present Danger, huh. Desperado. Um, he's one of those guys that pops up all the time, but most, I think most people know him from Desperado as the villain. But That's he looks like, what I remember from. He looks like a okay. Latino Phil Hartman. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He does. Sorry. Except that it's as if he lost his voice. He talks like this the whole movie. No offense, Yakim. We love you. All right. <laughs> take uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, still Hartman, so take that any way you want. Yeah, anyway, uh, six is great. Um, uh, every time I watch six, I'm like, oh my god, how did they do that? Like I've seen it so many times, and I'm still like, what? What? <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, I have to remember that. I have to recall this from Hart. Did not get to six. Uh, six is uh, more in the way they find out Letty is still alive when we thought she died in part four. Yes. They go after that British team of car racers. Um, oh, with the flipping car and everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember this. Um, which I, was stolen was stolen from a movie we talked about two episodes ago in uh, the Gone in 60 Seconds 2, um, which I'm going to send you. That car was used in the beginning of that movie. It's the same car. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's a weird car, but yeah, it's not original to that franchise. Then someone must have seen the movie or heard about it and said, "Hey, let's get that car." It's very reminds me of that. What's that one movie we did with uh, Tommy Lee Jones a while back? They had that wedge shaped, futuristic, whatever. What, uh, uh, Black Moon Rising. 
Black Moon Rising. It reminds me kind of that as well, but yeah. not quite as visceral. But anyway. This is when I started to get tired of the car racing, and not just the car racing. I want to say I'm tired of the music video aspect. They do it in 7 as well, where it's this like, slow sh camera over the booty shaking, and everybody dancing, and then someone starts a car race. I'm like, yeah, we've seen this like six times. Enough already. It gets a little old. The same old segues to the race, you know. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I was like, all right, we've done it. Let's move on. I hope by 8 that they've gotten rid of the skiing tire. So if I want to watch booty shaking, I'll watch rump shaker. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm here for the other uh, the other eye candy, the, the <laughs> four-wheel kind. But yeah. um, uh, it's, I uh, do have to – the budgets, you were talking about budgets getting bigger and bigger, oh, and right. I think half of that is the cars – was it the first one? The first one came out. They put out a call, if I remember correctly, to bring in a bunch of cars from, you know, just show us your car. And then, you know, if you, you're lucky, your car got picked and it got put in the movie. Um, whereas as we went on, of course, now the cars are getting more and more expensive. Yeah. Uh, first <laughs> movie cost 40. 40 the... the second cost 72. Third one, I think, cost 55. Four cost 90. Six cost one twenty. Seven cost uh one eight one ninety something like that. Uh, wait, I think I lost track where I was. Uh, no, six seven. Cost six, six cost one fifty. Seven cost one eighty. And part eight costs. I kid you not. I have no idea why they would spend this much money. Two hundred and fifty million dollars. Two hundred fifty million dollars. And looking at the box office, it's not going to make that back in America at all. The international, it's almost to a billion dollars. But I can part nine, like, they're going to cut back. I mean, Dwayne Johnson apparently is in the franchise anyway because him and Diesel have serious beef. Right. Well, I, I read something yesterday about that as well, but that they had worked through it to be ready for the next one. But, you know, how much of the media can you rely on? Anyway? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's <laughs> uh, plus, he's right. so swamped. If you look at his IMD, he's still yes. attached. He's attached to, like, six sequels. And we're like, uh, that, that was a long time ago. Are you going to make another G.I. Joe? Probably not. Uh, he's still attached to Journey to the Center of the Earth 3 and 4. Uh, San what? Yeah, San Andreas uh, 3, or San Andreas 2, which is, there's no point. Don't do a San Andreas. Um, I don't know what they do with that. Yeah. But... Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth uh, is supposed to actually be Journey to, I think. Huh. Which would be kind of cool, but why would you Is that, that a book? Yeah, it's a the Jules first... Verne, yeah. So they all, they're all based off Jules Verne's book. Um, okay. Yeah, he's, he's so many sequels attached to, and not all these movies deserve a sequel. In fact... Uh, if they do a G.I. Joe 3, which I think they're still planning on doing, just, you know, have him as a cameo or an and. Focus on the rest of the cast. There's a lot of characters in that universe. Right. I'm with you on that one. I just... Oh, I'm going to even go into that movie. <laughs> I'm a G.I. junkie. I love G.I. Joe, but neither one of those live action feels right. Exactly. I'm in, a, I'm in the same boat. The first one has too many characters, and the special effects are just, there's so many, that, but none of them look good. Like, you should have just focused mm. on, like, 10 or 15, like, really good scenes instead of everything. Uh, the Amen. second one is serious. Nobody's having any fun. I mean, like, it's based on a comic book, a cartoon toy line. Lighten up. Right. That was Willis in that one, right? Yeah. Bruce Willis, Willis was in that one. And... awful in that movie. Willis is so rude yeah. in that. I wanted to really see him in another great movie, but it's just, uh... Yeah, he doesn't care. But yeah. Don't bring him into this franchise. <laughs> Keep Kurt Russell, who comes in in part seven. And, you know, right. Kurt Russell's probably my favorite actor. Definitely. Well, that that segues me over to the other movie that The Rock's supposedly tied into. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, and he said it's not a remake, it's a continuation. So I wonder if Kurt Russell will have, like, a small part in it, and then, like, 
like say Kurt Russell's retiring, he's ending his days as a truck driver, but he's got a partner he's going to like give the truck to or whatever, and they go on this adventure together. I hope so, because I'm reading from Rolling Stone, it says it was a reboot. I don't understand. What's the difference uh, between a remake, a re, uh, a reimagining, uh, an overhaul? It's all the same thing. I think like like the Spider-Man franchise, it was rebooted, you know, because they felt like they didn't do it justice. So we're going to do it a different way, and you know, it just or they took it from a different comic perspective, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, different yeah. Universe, or but we don't have the comic book excuse to fall back on on this one. So. No, we don't. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> Well, we do now. Actually, Boom Studios has been doing a big trouble little China comic book for a while, and apparently they have a big trouble uh, Snake Plissken crossover. And I'm trying to figure that one out because Snake Plissken's in the apocalyptic kind of future. He goes back and huh. who knows? <laughs> uh, as long as Kurt Russell's still in it, I'll be. I'll watch it. <laughs> uh, seven um, really opens up the world of them joining like a James Bond kind of adventure task. Uh, which yes. I was like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. No more of the street racing bullshit. Let's let's use these crazy cars with uh, like new gadgets and stuff like that. Let's create like a James Bond GI Joe verse with these characters. Deckard Shaw, gotta love his. Jason Statham comes into the picture. You know the movie's gonna be good. Yeah. Oh, when I saw the end of six and he showed up because no one said anything about him being in part six. He just shows up in right. the last minute. You're like, what? Oh my god, that's the best thing ever. <laughs> it saved his career. Right. Right. I was like, what was the last couple of movies where they started putting those little Easter eggs at the end? I don't know Yeah, I if I've seen those before, because I know, obviously, the Marvel's done it quite a bit, but this was before all that. Um, I think it was concurrent. I know at the end of 5... Oh, this is 13. What? Oh, this was 2013, though. Yeah, well, at the end of 5, um, what's her name? Uh, Eva Mendez, from the second movie, she comes in and shows that... Letty is still alive. You're like, oh, well, I guess we're going to have Easter eggs now. I guess that's... Uh, right. Yeah, I'm curious. If they're ever going to bring her character back, too, if she's a government, she could be part of... That'd be all right. That's, like, that's kind of weird to me, because she always... After the first after the first movie that she was in, she comes off of, as more of a paper pusher. Yeah, maybe. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> of course, when you've been in, undercover for five years, I suppose taking a little break wouldn't hurt. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Seven's good. I mean, they had to do what they could. They were up against the wall with the fact that they lost Paul Walker halfway through production. So they had to change things. They had to edit things. They had to use tons of CGI to add his face, his brother. Um, thankfully, they had like the kind of same look and build. Um, with what they were up against, I think they still delivered a pretty damn entertaining. Right. It's like Kurt Russell in this movie is a little... I don't know why that was a little odd to me. Just, I don't know. Do you think he was, he <laughs> Maybe was, I'll see. Is he miscast or do you think his character was forced in? I don't know. I think he fits, but I just I don't know why. I feel like maybe he was miscast. I don't know. I, I love Kurt Russell, but I feel like I maybe I'm just too used to seeing him in, in, in other roles. But well, yeah, he's playing a government agent where he doesn't seem more of a rascal. You know, he seems like the guy that would be on the outside, not the right. Exactly. Yeah, but I would, say, I would just... say you know a good choice would have been I think Scott Glenn. He feels like the kind of old school military guy that would have uh, been part of their team. Scott Glenn, you said? Yeah. Okay. You know yeah, I can, I can get on board with that. Definitely get on board with that. Well, he usually plays military guys most of the time anyway, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Or maybe Tom Berenger, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely him. But anyway, that's just me. Yeah, but, we're not in charge of movies. We love Kurt Russell, but you're right, right. It does feel a bit weird that he's on the inside when he's clearly like an outsider kind of guy, except for Backdraft. He's good in that as a, the all-out uh, 
kind of like an all-American, blue-collar kind of guy who's part of this. No, oh, yeah, as long as the movie's written right, <laughs> uh, written well for the parts written well, he works great in it. But yeah, well, he's gonna be in the uh, next Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm excited about. Really? Yeah, and Sylvester Stallone's in it, so it's kind of a Tango and Cash reunion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they if if they lose the opportunity for some Easter eggs here, I, or not Easter eggs, but some. Uh, Oh, you know what I mean. Homage. Homage. That's the word I'm looking for. Homage. Homage. <laughs> that'd, that'd be a missed opportunity. But anyway. All right. So we're the end. We're basically the end because we haven't seen part eight. Uh, hopefully it's awesome. I'll get to it eventually. I stopped going to the movie theater, so I'm sick and tired of people being on their damn phones all the time. Can't take it anymore. What? People constantly what? on their phones, constantly talking. And uh, we have the smallest, worst theater. The film's always out of uh, sync or out of frame or something's wrong with it. We leave the lights on. Uh, it's really tiny, too. It's like you sit right in front of the You're like, oh, the screen's right in my face. Yeah. <laughs> that happens if you live in a small town, people. you got very little choice. Uh, let's hit the vehicles. Which and Now, mind you, there's 10,000 vehicles in all these movies, but Ron has selected a, a few choice ones. A few choice ones? Do you believe I we're doing picked... this for the last time? We're doing the car details for the last time. <laughs> car details. Oh, man. Kind of dropping the ball if that's the case. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So I guess we'd have to cover the charger, wouldn't we? Oh yes. We can't. We can't do that. We can't not do that. I speak English really well. I was agitated really well. Anyway, <clears throat> I slept in the first day of school. I've been catching up ever since. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> do you know? This is ridiculous. Uh, you that don't know at home, uh, Ron was my roommate. We went to college together. Um, well, I mean, I've known you longer than that, but um, freshman year on our own. Me, no discipline whatsoever. I decided I don't want to take math. I know I need to take a math or a science or some sort of class as my essentials. Um, but I decided not to show up for like the first three classes and then I dropped it. Um, I still have nightmares that I'm, I'm still registered for that class. I'm still paying for it and I, I keep forgetting to show up. <laughs> 22 years, people. 22 years. I'm still having this nightmare. <laughs> you you got to get over it, man. You really do. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just nightmares why I can't get my locker. All right. Um, information as per trade is what I'm going to give you. Uh, why waste your time? Why fill this up for no reason? Um, so thank you, everybody, for two and a half years. I think about 30 episodes of the show. You'll be seeing some reruns for a little bit, but eventually, unless our friend uh, Robert said he was interested in starting a podcast about cars, he might take over full throttle, but it's also kind of a different. So maybe it'll be a spinoff. I'm not sure. He might be taking over, but otherwise, uh, if he doesn't, we'll be probably shutting down the full throttle page. Um, check out the rest of our podcast on Retro Rocket Entertainment. Uh, you'll be seeing our next uh, podcast, the sci-fi one, the next planet over, um, probably in about a month. We'll start off with something we're not sure yet. Um, and that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, it's time to ride uh, out, and we'll see you again. Thank you all for visiting us and putting up with our segues and our tangents and our We never did an episode about the segway. The segue. <laughs> oh man, and like Vespas, and anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good night. All right, later. I picked a sappy song. I could I could have picked a cool one, but I didn't. <laughs> it's give me a tissue. Dear God, that's sappy. I'm sorry. Let's 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 find something a little more up. <laughs> oh my God. We gotta rock it out. We gotta rock yeah. it out of here.
<laughs> this is full throttle. Did you notice that the, the, the franchise didn't really have any uh, rock songs? It was mostly just uh, hip hop and rap. That's kind of strange. That's pretty much the culture, I think. So yeah. honestly, but yeah, I dealt with it. Yeah, well, it's good music. <laughs> I mean, I find myself jamming to it a few times here and there. We, oh yeah, I find myself dancing. You, it's nothing you'd want to see, but. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey everybody. I got a cold. <laughs> everybody, welcome to Full Throttle Podcast. Uh, we're doing a special episode about trucking movies. Uh, we're not going to go into details about the trucks, you know, like usually do with cars or other vehicles. Uh, we're just going to talk about trucking films. Uh, this is probably like the king of trucker films, would you say? This is probably like the most well-known. Oh, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I mean, I if you talk nowadays, maybe Black Dog might jump in there. Yeah, but... yeah. Uh, which is like the only legitimate trucker movie made, I think, in the last. Well, no, there was a movie called Trucker, which is more drama than mm-hmm. action. Most of the trucking movies that we've seen are like action oriented, not usually comedy or drama. Just usually like straight up like, uh, you know, like the blue collar man. You know, uh, sorry, blue collar uh, versus the man. Right. Yeah, and, and or horror way, films. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's Joyride. I forgot. That's a trucking film, sort of. It's it's terrifying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what was that? Big band, Ro- not Rubber Ducky. What was that? Uh, but I remember it was like uh, Rusty Nail, Rusty Nail, the Petunia, or something like that. But uh, that one guy's name Tim Devine, <laughs> the guy from Science of the Lambs. But he's always talking like he burnt the roof of his mouth. <laughs> Rusty Nail. <laughs> Rusty. Uh, <laughs> there's like three of those. I've never seen the sequels, but the first one's pretty solid. But that's a horror one. You know, we could go. Right. Out of, there's a lot of horror like truck. You know, there, there's Maximum Overdrive. There's um, uh, Duel, the Steven Spielberg one. Yes. Um, I feel like there's a couple others like that where they go they go up against trucks or like evil cars. There's the movie The Car with James Brolin. But let, let's talk about like the action ones. Um, you might know this better than I do because I didn't really watch this kind of stuff as a kid. I usually only watched it in, if you were watching it. Like I went to your house or we saw it on like you know CMT or something like that. Or back when there was a TNN. Do you remember TNN before it became Spike? Oh, yeah. Um, Does that remember? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much... The only thing I'd ever seen was, like, Smoking the Band. I didn't even know there was, like, a whole genre of trucker films. Uh, but you were a trucker. So you kind of probably saw, like, all sorts of weird collections at, you know, the truck stops. Yeah. I, was like, I didn't really buy, t- buy into too much of that because they spent too much money on other crap. But... 
<laughs> Doritos, Mountain Dew to keep me up. <laughs> the only thing I had to watch movies on was a laptop, and it was from like nineteen. Good knows you know when laptops were dinosaurs. Anyway. Yeah, they weighed a ton. They're all made like the heavy plastic, and they probably couldn't even take DVDs. But um, pretty much. Uh, I don't know what the first trucker, like legitimate trucker film, is. Um, I think Wages of Fear was a foreign film about trucking, which is. Have you ever seen Sorcerer with uh, Roy Scheider, where he's a trucker? No, it's. I don't think it's weird. It's uh, it's this movie where he is a mobster who screws up like some sort of bank heist, and the only way to get him out of the country is to make him go to like this, like Guatemala or something out of the middle of nowhere country, and the only way to get his passport, and the same thing for the four guys that are with him is to do this extremely dangerous delivery of nitroglycerin across like the craziest bridges you've ever seen, most dangerous terrain. And if he delivers it without dying, of course, uh, he gets his passport and he's allowed to live in this country so he can be safe from whatever he's running from. That movie uh, is a remake, though, of Wages of Fear, which I think is from like the 40s, and it was a trucker film. But we're talking like more of the modern era trucker film. And I want to say it was White Line Fever, but I could be way off on this one. The uh, White Line Fever was, uh, oh, dang it. I just watched it a few days ago again, um, but it wasn't that one. It, it wasn't the first? Do you remember one that was before that? Wait, okay, what are we, did I miss something? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> uh, I was talking like the first trucker films. I thought I thought White Line Fever was like the first, like, maybe there was some like low budget, like drive-in, grindhouse kind of trucker film, but this seemed like the first like legitimate trucker film. It does make sense. Oh, let's see. Is it that one? Oh, Convoy says... Convoy was 78. One of those first movies. Yeah, 75 was White Line Fever. Um, yeah. Trucker movies. Hmm. That's the first one I can think of, honestly. Yeah. There's of course, probably, I there's was born the next year. Yeah, <laughs> there's probably another one out there, too. But uh, this is the first one I think that really made an impression. This was a big hit at the time, though completely forgotten for decades. In fact, it didn't get released on DVD until its anniversary, which is just a couple years ago. Um, now you can find it like everywhere for like you know in the $5 bin. It's a great film. It's a good print. I wish there had been some special features. But you got to remember that Jonathan Kaplan... I think is retired or maybe has gone on. Jan Michael Vincent is damaged. He's had so many car accidents and drinking has just damaged his memory. And I think he got K lens and that's about it. Yeah. Well, you say slim Pickens is what? I'm pretty sl- Oh no. Uh, slim Pickens is, has to be dead by now. Or he's like 112. <laughs> um, uh, what in the wide world of sports is going on in here? <laughs> Right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think Jonathan Kaplan, he was the director of this, and he did some noteworthy stuff throughout the 70s and 80s. I think he passed on. But this this was like a really big hit for Columbia Pictures. And it was right when Jan Michael Vincent had come off of The Mechanic with Charles Bronson. So he's kind of a hot item. And sadly, after this, it didn't go that well for him. Big Wednesday is a great movie about surfing and growing up in the 60s. Uh, he's in that with Gary Busey and uh, William Cat. Um, after that, nothing really until Airwolf. He's one of those guys that could have been a contender, but he just couldn't control his rage and his drinking. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. It's, what uh, about um, Martin Cove? Did he do a whole lot other than oh, duh. Well, well, we <laughs> know him from the Rambo movies, Cagney Lacey, but right. there is a sci-fi show that you and I talked about for years, and I'm still not 100% certain that we're talking about the same show, but Hard Time on Planet Earth? Uh, Yeah. Cause you I think remember, I've seen it. I think 
you were you were telling me about a TV show where a guy had come to Earth and he had like this little orb cursor kind of thing following him around, telling him you know uh, what yeah. to do on Earth. Now we thought it was Auto Man for a long time, but it turns out after watching a clip that you were pretty sure it was hard time on planet Earth. I have no idea, man. <laughs> but I because I, I I think well you know I slept since then and I don't remember a whole lot from when I was a kid, unfortunately. Yeah. I, what's going on there? I do. I remember everything, and the problem with that is I get sucked up in nostalgia sometimes. <laughs> Where have I been? See, my sisters both. Yeah, exactly. My sisters both have that same problem, if you will. But I, I apparently have written off a lot of it. <laughs> I don't know. But... Yeah, Martin Cove is still around, but he's mostly just done like low budget junk. It just whatever will pay him for the day. Um, trying to remember lq jones you know what i think he's still alive but he's like 90 he was the uh, guy with the slick mustache and the the thick white hair um you saw him in films here and there i, I remember him specifically from mask of zorro he was in a small part in that um okay he directed the boy and his dog if anybody's ever seen that post-apocalyptic movie with don johnson that was don johnson yeah oh, right it was his first role i think it was like 1970 or something like that uh yeah i'm looking at his last well, it's only two years, so I guess I can't say much about that. But I don't recognize any of them. <laughs> for uh, oh my, yeah, Kate anyway. Lenz. She went on to do some stuff after this. Of course, she's well known for Rich Man Poor Man, but she did an excellent car chase movie um, with Eddie Albert and Steve McCaddy called Moving Violations. Which, if you can find it, Ron, you've got to see it. It's great. It's got this beautiful car and wonderful chases, and it's got one of those another one like a the corrupt man trying to uh, convict you know an innocent. Uh, wanderer, you know, a guy is just trying to make his way in the world after Vietnam, which is a lot like this movie here, you know. Uh, Jen Michael Vincent comes from back from Vietnam. He wants to start his own trucking company. Or not his trucking company, but like his own truck. And, you know, start his family, you know. The American dream, just, you know, your own business, you know. Uh, no one telling you what to do, and, well, things go wrong. Did you say moving violations? Yeah. Okay, I'm looking at the wrong one, apparently. Oh, this yeah, one's... there's a comedy called Moving Violations from 85 with Bill Murray's brother. That That's that's a, that's a yes. funny movie, but it's not the same one. No, okay, well, moving on. <laughs> but that seems what like... What year was that? Go ahead. What year was Moving Violations? I think it was 76. I think she Kay Lenz did 76. it right after White Line Fever. Okay, I'll look at it. Okay, but uh, the thing that we're talking about... Um, you know, that post-Vietnam kind of America was hurting and people kind of wanted to get back to not really living by the rules of government or uh, corporations. Yeah. And so he said they kind of wanted to have their own thing. You can see that in a lot of stuff that was on TV, like the Waltons and Little House on the Prairie kind of go into simpler times. And then there's some people who just kind of yeah. wanted to have their own business, you know, mom and pop shop. Or like in this movie, he just wants to own a truck. Um, be his own man, but turns out that it, it just goes so horribly wrong, which I'm sure in real life this happened a lot. Right. You see, back then it was a lot less connected. I guess you can call it that. Yeah. So it's a lot easier, a lot harder to, or a lot easier rather to get away with that kind of crap. But yeah, and the only way since he's new in the game, since he didn't sign on like contract wise with any companies, is he had to do his own independent finding of jobs. And the problem is, uh, especially in the county that he lived in is that there was a lot of corruption, and then, you know, he, he has a choice. Either take the illegal machines, you know, the gambling machines, and uh, I think there was, like, cigarettes or something like that, and mm -hmm. or you don't get a job at all. And when he turns them down, not only do they, you know, not give him a job, period, they fill his truck with crap. Like, literally, poop. Literally. 
literally. <laughs> yeah, and it's just funny. I think about that. That happens a lot now. Do you know the uh, as seen on TV kind of concept where where people create stuff and they sell it to this company and, and they ship it worldwide? Maybe. Um, they kind of talk about it in Horrible Bosses too, but I've heard this from other people is that if you go to these not technically as seen on TV, but companies like them, and maybe that one, I'm just not, I just don't want to get sued. Um, you bring them an idea, and they think it's a great idea, but if they give you a crappy deal that you don't accept, well, guess what? They'll not only put you out of business by not letting you find anybody else to make it for you, they'll make their own knockoff of this item, and they'll make millions off of it, and then you go bankrupt. That's awesome. Yeah, it's terrible. And that's happening now? Yeah, that's happening now, and it's been happening for decades. It's There's a lot of this kind of stuff. Pyramid schemes. It's just like, you know, they're constantly talking yeah. people into, like, selling their life into this thing. Well, you make no money, and someone else makes tons of profit. That's what that's what reminded right. me. It seems like this was kind of the beginning. The 70s was where the big companies had enough power that they could squash the little guys, you know? And this would take decades to really kick in you know everybody wanted a walmart but not realizing that walmart would erase all the mom and pop shops sure you're getting a lot of cheap stuff but guess what that stuff is no longer made in america it's now made in china and you know your mom and pop people you know who wanted to not follow the same rules um as you know corporate america they got shut down you know they couldn't have their own say their own product they had to <laughs> half these people lost their businesses and they started working for these corporations and it's just crazy yeah so I'll never sell out. Never sell out. <laughs> when we all. It's it's too far gone now. I think it's funny, though, watching this movie, it kind of makes me think of now how, um, how how these corporations are kind of using the right and the left against each other. I don't even like those labels. But people who tend to be like more Democratic and Republican, they slap labels on us. And then they have us so busy fighting with each other, not realizing we are so similar. We're so similar in some ways. And, you know, it's just like the little tiny things that are different. But fundamentally, we're all just trying to pay the bills. We're trying to put a roof over our head, feed our children, you know, and have self-respect. And yet these corporations, they're they're destroying our lives, making us take shit pay for shit jobs, giving us no hope. Mm -hmm. And that's when I watch this movie, you know, it's really like you know, rousing and get you energized. I know it's still just a movie, but it's an idea that Carol Joe Hummer could fight back against this corrupt system and unite the other independent workers or truckers. And, uh, you know, they can become a strong team. You don't have to bow down to what I, oh, you would call evil. You know, you can still fight for what's right and not be pitted against well, each other. And that's, that's a kind of a thinking we're, we're so busy fighting with each other right now. Cause look at Facebook. This last six months has been hell on earth. It's a lot of fighting, mm -hmm. but we're not focusing on the real problem, you know? And that's what you watch this movie and you start thinking about that. Like, you know, you and I, we grew up in Indiana and there's a strong mixture of both right and left people who are progressive and conservative. They're nope. re we're really not that different people. And then they got that mixture of people who are just playing crazy. Yeah. I there's a gentleman who wanted to buy a phone the other day, but he's like, did anybody look at the numbers on this? I'm like, what do you mean? Like the phone number? He goes, no, no, the serial number. I go, no, why? And he goes, you're sure? No one looked at the serial number on this. I go, no, why? And he goes, well, they've been tracking me. The last one I bought, they found me and they tracked me and they've been calling me and harassing me. I'm like, who are you talking about? Like, this is what's going on. There's so many crazy people out there. It's like, do you think aliens from another planet are hunting you down or the government's hunting you down based on a serial number? I don't think they care who you are. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, I love YouTube, and we live, you know, we live by it. But 
unfortunately, it makes it too easy for a lot of the people out there to get misinformed. And, and yeah, this it, it all comes down to who who does the best production quality to make you believe it more. And right, just... right. Well, you and I were talking about this during the Dukes of Hazard episode we did in the very beginning. Now, of course, things have changed the last couple of years, but the Confederate flag during the seventies and eighties was kind of a rebellion symbol against corrupt government, corrupt cops, corrupt corporations. And then that went kind of crazy last year, and then it switched to something else. And then all of a sudden, I kid you not, I'm starting to see on college campuses, like these posts, where people are trying to recruit for the new Nazis? Neo-Nazis? Yeah. Is this what we fought in World War II for? I mean, just it's nuts. I mean, you, 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 and I right. think people need to watch these trucker films to realize... Ignore all that crap, you know, just uh, fight for your fellow man. You know, I, I'm not that religious anymore, but there's something to be learned from the teachings of Jesus. You know, I mean, even if he was real, if he wasn't real, that's not the argument. The point was you uh, you stand up for your fellow man, you give him your hand, you lift him up, you know, and when you're down, they lift yeah. you up. Right? Right. Say something nice. <laughs> Stop being such a troll. The on, uh, online gave like this whole world of people who were able to... Like, just say the worst things possible because they don't have to look the person face-to-face. I call it, wasn't it, the red badge of courage? Not the red, that's a bad analogy. A badge know. of courage. Let's <laughs> call it a badge of courage called the, yeah, the badge man. of courage called the forum yeah. chat room. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. And people say things they would never have said in person. No, oh. and if their family knew because they said they these kind of things, holy schmoly's. Right. And <sighs> it's like, you know, good or bad, it's just... <sighs> There's a reason why you wouldn't say it in person, you know, because right. there's probably something wrong with what you're saying. Actually. Or how you're saying, at least how you're saying it. It's let, just, yeah, let's say this. <clears throat> if you're watching a movie and what you do and what you say is actually what the villain usually says, you should probably stop and go look at the hero. You don't want to be the guy who's not Indiana Jones in, in Raiders of the Lost right. Ark. <laughs> Everybody, it's like, no, what are you thinking? <laughs> Don't be the guy that's swinging the sword around, or the guy that's on top of the tank punch in Indiana Jones. You're like, no, that's not the right person. To... <laughs> when you watch Star Wars, Darth Vader's not the hero. <laughs> no, and it's weird. <laughs> you know, that's that's funny and everything because those are the two because they're the cooler looking ones. Yeah, but those are the more popular. We know they're the villains. <laughs> and yeah, Boba Fett's awesome in a way, but also he's a villain. <laughs> right. No one watches Die Hard and goes, "Go Hans Gruber." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll survive the fall this time. Yeah. Anyway, or they watch Convoy, which is our next movie in this discussion. No one roots for Ernest Borgnine, not because he's kind of the ugly one, because he's the corrupt, <laughs> mean, and crap one. <laughs> I don't get his character, though. Am I missing something? I'm segwaying already. Yeah. But, um, am I missing something? Because at the end, he's laughing. Uh, you know, it's weird. Like, I think what it is, and you find it in real life, you get caught up in stuff. In fact, I think a mm-hmm. lot of people don't feel secure enough that they are a hero. They have to make a villain in order to make themselves a hero. You ever see that? Like, you see someone fighting with someone yeah. else. Like this rivalry, and it goes on forever, and you're still like, really? This is what ticked it off? This thing between you two? This is why you hate each other? Uh, that's dumb. Right. It's. I feel like some of us just need a villain in order to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, because really, we're just kind of, you know, most of us are just kind of weak and broken people. And instead yeah. of, like, and I, destroying people, just kind of champion things, you know? 
I think a lot of that you see that back again to the forums. I mean, that you see a lot of that there. Somebody's always got to be, you know, a hand up on someone else. Yeah, and there's got to be a name calling thing. There's got to be a name calling. Oh, Republic clowns and libtards. All I, I see that all the time now, and I'm like, you just said the <laughs> word tard. You you realize I still can't believe people use certain words as insults. And sometimes they say it to things that aren't even real. They'll, they'll call a computer gay, and I'm like, you what? That's a computer. Well, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Dumb. Yeah, but Ernest Borgnine, what I think it is, is he gets so caught up in his uh, anger towards truckers, because he sees truckers as outlaws and rebels. In his mind, he is like this, you know, he's like the Wyatt Earp of his era. So therefore, the truckers must be the uh, the red, the red. what do you call them, red sashes? You know, the one tombstone. What do they call them? The cowboys? The cowboys. Yeah, and they probably saw themselves as heroes in some sort of twisted way, you know? Um you know, I think Ernest Borgnine saw that, and then when he finally gets to the end of the movie, after this crazy, crazy journey of, oh boy, um, what doesn't he do? Um, he realizes that maybe, A, he got caught up in what doesn't really matter kind of things, and two, he got beat, fair and square. You know, uh, Chris Christopherson finally succeeded, and he just kind of laughs. He's like, well, what else can I do? Nothing. Well, yeah, I think... Tell you the truth, I've seen that movie many times before, and I totally forgot this time around that he actually survived the end of the movie. Yeah. Does it say something about my age, or does it? <laughs> well, there is another movie like this, in a way, um, that he did with Keith Carradine and Lee Marvin called Emperor of the North, where he plays, like, this crazed um, conductor. And this is during, like, uh, the 30s when, you know, people are homeless and, and they're just traveling across, you know, by being hobos on a train. And he thinks it's his mission to keep the train safe by kicking Lee Marvin and Keith Carradine off. No matter what, even if they die, he's got to get them off there. And uh, I think he does die at the end of that movie. And it kind of has the similar mentality. He kind of plays a similar character. It's weird that Ernest Borgnine played so many villains when you and I know him for being, like, the lovable uncle kind of character. Right? Yeah, it's weird. I if... He played a handful of movies where he's just a horrible villain. Was it back in the 70s, and then when the 80s rolled around, things kind of yeah. turned around for well, him, and you he know, got tired he, of it? He got heavier, and you know he was in his 60s by then. Airwolf definitely helped. I think by the time that came around, yeah. he was seen as like the big papa kind of character. Right? Yeah. yeah well. But in, in Convoy, yeah, he's a heck of a villain, a great adversary. Uh, and I, I, I really enjoy Chris Christopherson in this movie. It's weird that um, Sam Peckinpah, the director of this movie, uh, was... When it came out, they said he was a sellout now. He gave up all his, like, great directorial skills and everything like that, and that Convoy was just a cheap studio sellout. And I'm like, I think it's my favorite one of his movies. So, uh, I, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you're probably going to ask me what Peck and Paul directed. Um, Getaway. Um, yes. Wild Bunch. Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Uh, Osterman okay. Weekend. Uh, Killer Elite. He did a bunch of movies, like, in the 70s, but... Each one progressed downhill. Like, he peaked with The Getaway. That's probably his most successful and well-accepted film. And kind of, ha, because he couldn't stop drinking. I, I wonder uh, if he even directed this movie or, like, Chris Christopherson or somebody else had to take over. I don't know. Did Chris Christopherson ever direct? Actually, or just... I thought he directed something, but I'd have to look that up. But um, maybe even, even in those, like, the producer could take over or the cinematographer could take over. Somebody, you know. That knows what they're doing. Right. The the film is crazy level of entertaining. Uh, and, and of course that song, that wonderful one hit wonder. Actually, did C. W. McCall have any other hits? 
So, <laughs> that's a good question. Let's look that up. <laughs> um, in my world, you know, the top 40 world, uh, it's the only hit that he had, but I don't know what he did on the country charts. I don't know if you remember, like, songs. For... You had this on vinyl, didn't you? I, yeah, my dad does. Yeah, so I thought. Because I thought you, you had it sitting my around the said. house once when I first came over, and I was like, who's C.W. McCall? And you're like, you don't know the song Convoy? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad, my, my stepdad, he had... C.W. McCall, I believe. Actually, you know what? I think I have a copy of it now <laughs> on album. Nice. <laughs> so, but yeah, oh man, there won't be no country music. Old home, fill her up and keep on a trucking cafe. I remember that one. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, he's had a few hits, probably big hits back in the 70s with the CB, what have you, but um, the CB craze. But. Yeah. Speaking of that, there was Breaker Breaker with Chuck Norris, which we did not watch because, frankly, there's like two good Chuck Norris movies. And when I say good, I mean like watchable. <laughs> yeah, Code of Silence and Missing in Action. That's about it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I did watch Walker, Texas Ranger for the longest time. But... Really? I didn't know that. I've never seen a single episode. I did. It's still not very much. Not very much. Listen, I speak very well. Um, it's not much different than any of the movies he's done, to be honest, as far as the quality. But yeah. for whatever reason, there, there's just something there that kept bringing me back. Huh. That's weird. Anyway. Um, yeah, Convoy. I might have been bored. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you didn't have cable. And you didn't go to the video store no. like a fiend like I did. You know, I, I got a movie like no. nearly every single day. I didn't do my homework, and I barely passed high school. But, <laughs> you know, I always had a movie to watch. Oh, man. We made it. Yeah, barely. We're still alive today, so I mean. <laughs> uh, Convoy is now out on a, blue, a beautiful Blu-ray, um, which um, is good because there was a company called Cheesy Flicks. Somehow they got the rights to Convoy the movie, and they put out the worst DVD, no extras, Terrible print. Uh, I don't know which version you have, but that Blu-ray has been beefed up. It looks great. Yeah, it was pretty good quality when I had. White Line Fever was a really good print, too. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I hate seeing a chopped-up, murky print being presented to me. I'm like, uh, you know, DVD's been out for 20 years now. What the hell? <laughs> Can you believe it's exactly. been 20 years? 20 years of the DVD. What? I know, right? It came 20 out. 20 years? I know, right? It came out summer of 97. We're so old. <laughs> <laughs> So what other movies did you watch? Um, other trucker films. I watched, uh, I'm going to say the name wrong, Cattle Annie and Little Bridges or something like that. That was okay, but not really that noteworthy. It had uh, Annie Potts in it and uh, that lady from True Grit. I can't remember her name. Kim Darby, right? Yeah. I started to line up to watch that one. It's okay. It's didn't get around to it, but I watched Highballing. Yo, yeah, highballing. That's the next one on our list. That is a. You know what's funny is how similar it is in its structure and look, um, as White Line Fever, except that it has a lot of Canadian like snow and whatnot. It's like a, a northern trucker film, <laughs> and more, a little bit of humor in there because you know Jerry Reed. <laughs> yeah, with Jerry Reed comes a little bit of humor. So, <clears throat> but... you know, it's, it's funny. It's like a highballing and White Line Fever confused for a minute because I forgot Jerry Reed gets killed. Correct. Like halfway through the movie, in highballing. Yeah, Disney. I, this is the first one I watched, and this was like three months ago when we were playing this, uh, and I didn't watch it again. But I'm pretty sure they kill him, which uh, surprised me. I, oh man. Okay, apparently I watched Highballing about a month ago, so I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. And this is actually one of the movies I did buy, along with Concrete Cowboys. I think they were in a, like a bundle or something. Yeah, this is back uh, when Highballing. The truck stops, but yeah, Highballing was still. Well, you must have bought a bootleg, because I don't think it's been on DVD ever. I've only ever found it, like, streaming on Netflix for a short period of time. Then I don't know how I've seen it, because I, I know I've seen it before, though. Um, 
Well, let's just say not everything at a truck stop is always kosher, dude. Maybe you found a bootleg. There is probably a good chance that that was true. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard horror I had stories. no clue that's what I bought. Yeah. I've heard horror stories of truck stops, like out in the middle of nowhere, where it's like, oh, hey, it's a truck stop prostitute. What? <laughs> oh, this is where we deal with meth and whatever to keep awake. You know, um, but every truck stop I've been to has been like the cleanest, most corporate, you know, like, oh, hey, here's the great like shopping center in the middle. And then you got the two restaurants in each end. You got the showers. Everything seemed like really family friendly. Have you ever been to like a really sketchy truck stop? Uh, let's see. TAs. Um, <laughs> actually, no, the TAs aren't so bad. But in my opinion, they're probably right on the lower end there. But all the pilots and the loves and the, oh, what was that other one? Um, I was pretty much limited to the ones I could go to because that's what my company worked with as far oh, as fuel gotcha. goes. But <clears throat> when you get out west, is where a lot of these movies always take place, usually. You get into a lot more uh, backwoods-looking ones, if you will, or mod. Okay, I don't want to put those in the same category, but like mom pop ones, when were you, they're not backed by big money by yeah, any yeah. means, and those look a little more shady. And but Not saying they're all bad, but there are... They do exist. Yeah, Let's just yeah. say that. Um, <laughs> we yeah. were encouraged to uh, avoid them. <laughs> and highballing is another one of those uh, like corrupt corporation trying to take out the little independent guy. Um, yep. and of course, they're trying to hijack his stuff, which is one great action sequence. It went on for quite some time, and usually a little low-budget Canadian action movie uh, with Peter Fonda, of all people, who, you know, it had been a few years from Easy Rider. I was kind of surprised at yeah. how much action was in this movie. With a oh the car hauler yeah I thought that was a great dropping sequence. all the car yeah <laughs> I loved it <laughs> the only thing I didn't he was having way too much fun though <laughs> he was like grinning the whole time <laughs> Jerry <laughs> stop smiling at, please dude. what is wrong with you dude <laughs> we're, we're gonna have to do another take why won't Jerry stop oh because he's, he's he's writing a song in his head right now okay well just let him keep going no 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 that was Fonda Fonda was out on the rig. He's the one smiling the whole time he's back there throwing cars at these guys, and they're <laughs> shooting at him. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. They're trying to rob you of those cars, and you're just giving them to them? Uh, what? Right? <laughs> I'm not sure I understand the logic there, but have fun. I've always wanted to see how this works. All right. <laughs> yeah, that one's a good one. It's hard to find. And um, there was another one I wanted to watch but we didn't get around to uh, was Rolling Vengeance, which is kind of like a Knight Rider souped up like trucker kind of movie where they do all these gadgets and stuff with it. Did you watch that one? I have not yet, no. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that might be more of a sci-fi kind of thing. And then there was, I watched one called um, Rolling Vengeance. No, wait, Rolling Vengeance was that one. Rolling Thunder is one with Forrest Tucker, and he's trying to get uh, like nitroglycerin delivered across country, and people are trying to, like steal it from them. That's another one of those like fantasy action movies. It's not very good. Um, any other trucker movies you want to talk about before we hit Black Dog? Uh, not offhand, no. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot out there. I keep seeing these collections, like oh, ten trucker movies for five dollars. I'm like, I've never heard of any of these. I always like, oh, CB Girls, uh, Trucker Girls. I'm like, is this porn or is this real movies? I don't understand. <laughs> Wait, here's the thing. A lot of them are. A lot of the movies you find are typically from the 70s around the time of the CD craze. Yeah. And if you've seen one, you've seen most of them. Yeah. And then not saying there's not some diamonds in the roughs there. Don't, and that none of them aren't worth watching, but yeah, these are the significant ones. Um, yes. And, 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 and 
uh, I think the one that kind of brought it all back uh, was Black Dog. There really hasn't yes. been a trucker movie. There were like no trucker movies in the 90s until this came along, and I don't really don't think there's really been much since. Uh, I think there was one called CB Hustlers, which is like with uh, Insane Clown Posse and their cowboy trucker or something. I don't know. I just heard about it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Forget it exists. Black Dog is a legitimate studio attempt at reviving the concept of the trucker, like rebellion kind of movie. Uh, originally supposed to star Kevin Sorbo. Did you know that? This I did not know. He had signed I... a two-picture deal with Dino De Laurentiis. He did Call the Conqueror, and then he tore something in his shoulder, like an embolism formed, and he had to like immediately get surgery. He couldn't do anything for months, and that's how Patrick Swayze came in. I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I like both of them. Yeah, uh, Patrick Swayze had just this... got... Had just got out. Just that, gotten. Yeah, he had just gotten out of that accident where he broke, I think, both of his legs. Like he drove, he accidentally drove a motorcycle into a tree, or I think he was on a horse, and uh, something went wrong. He got thrown off of the horse. Um, so this is like it's supposed to be his big comeback because he hadn't made a movie in three years. He was totally damaged um, goods in Hollywood's mind. So this was his attempt at another big studio film. Sadly, didn't make any money. <laughs> no one cared about trucker films no. in 1988. I don't know why. Uh, they. They were going on. I think this is the first movie I saw. Uh, no, I can't say that. It's the second movie I ever saw Meatloaf in. Oh, yeah, because of Rocky Horror. Uh, <laughs> Rocky he, Horror, yeah. yeah. He had done some movies here and there, but this is, like I think, the first time that his name was back above the title um, and his face on the poster. Uh, country was right. hot right now. Right around 98, Country was at its, like, breaking into the top 40. It was no longer in its own little, you know, genre. Um, you got huge stars coming out. Um and Meatloaf had this huge comeback, so you got Randy Travis and Meatloaf as supporting characters. Meatloaf is terrible in this film. He's got awful. He's chewing the scenery so much. <laughs> I'm going to get you, Cruz! Spout, <laughs> he's spouting off scripture the whole time. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Anyway. Like, what a hypocrite. Because clearly nothing he's doing is religious in any way whatsoever. Like what we were talking about earlier... <laughs> Did you actually read it, or did you just some like overhear something? It's like you got the crib notes of the Bible and just took what you want from it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, this, this, the New Testament, I don't need any of that. I'm going to go with the Old Testament. You know what I call people who want all that wrath and rage of the Old Testament? I call them Old Testies. Old <laughs> wow. And I don't, think, <clears throat> I don't think you could technically call yourself a Christian if you ignore the new part, the teachings of Jesus, if you only go to the, the rage that Milo's character has. Right, right. Oh, people tend to do that route, tend to uh, pick and choose what they want anyway. Right. So, yeah. Well, anger is an instant fulfilling kind of feeling, whereas giving and kindness usually takes work, emotional and physical work, in order to get to the place that is more New Testament. People want that, like, ah, sacrificing and killing and wrath. Ah. You know, there's one movie that just popped in my head that I think we covered it a little while back steel cowboy oh my god i forgot about that that was pretty good but i seem to have amnesia to it already uh james brolin and um rip torn yes that was actually a pretty good one too i just i can't remember a thing about it (laughs) (laughs) it's it's there though bg and the bear obviously was a good one oh and of course smoking the bandit but everybody knows that one yeah but Um... anyway Going on. Patrick Swayze, just out of prison, back with his family after accidentally killing somebody. They call it the Black Dog. Is that a real thing or is that made up for the movie? Have you ever heard that? They call him the Black Dog? No, no. You know how they talk about it in the movie when you push yourself so hard 
beyond like a normal mm. level where you should have stopped and you see the black dog and the black dog is like this cursed demon vision oh, right. that you get when you're about to do something horrible and it takes everything away from you everything you worked so far hard for it takes it all away which you know he was on the road too long and he uh, saw the black dog and he accidentally hit a guy on the side of the road who was fixing his tire and that's how he ended up in prison black dog syndrome let's see uh <laughs> someone who listens to led zeppelin too much oh no no this is <laughs> this was uh Oh, a disputed phenomenon which black dogs are passed over for adoption in favor of lighter colored animals. I think that's a whole other area. <laughs> Did we just go into weird dog racism? <laughs> Trucking tales, legends, and ghosts. Here we go. There we go. Uh, you know what? That's I'm not even going to go into that one. I'm sure it probably is in some realms. But yeah, that is either four pages long, or you just got into something weird. Like, oh, that's a dirty trucker tale. Ooh. <laughs> No, no, it's it's four pages long, and it looks oh. like a forum, and I'm not going to read through a bunch of idiots' opinions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not idiots. I'm sorry. Let me take it back. A bunch of opinions that don't necessarily mesh. Yeah, conspiracy. And there may be some trolls in there. So. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, so he gets out of prison. He gets his job, uh, which he should not have taken, but he was under desperate circumstances, kind of like the way it was with White Line Fever, where they're, kind of, they're, they're putting him in these situations where he has to take things that he doesn't want to take. Um, and of course, guess what? The truck is filled with dirty, uh, contraband and, uh, the cops are after him. He doesn't know it. And, uh, Meatloaf wants to steal the stuff back, collect the insurance, and then, uh, kill off Patrick Swayze. Apparently everybody just wants to kill Patrick Swayze in this movie, except Randy Travis. It makes you wonder about how he felt about that. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, this is, is supposed to be my comeback tour, man. Come on. <laughs> but I love the fact that he's a terrible country singer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the best part ever. <laughs> Come on, Randy Travis is one of my, I'm kidding aside, one of my favorite country music singers. When I heard him sing like that, I'm like, wow. <laughs> what ultimate universe is this? And he has so much potential. You know, he, he was in a couple really good movies around this time. You know, I really like Frank and Jesse. Right. He's great in that. Um, he's in a movie called Shooter. With uh, Michael Dudikoff, which I know sounds like a terrible movie. It's great. And he's good in it. Uh, he's in one with uh, Oliver Gruner uh, called, I want to call it, I want to say it's called Savage or something like that. He's good in that too. Um, but I heard that he had a terrible stroke uh, brought on by, I guess he started drinking a lot or something. He, they found yeah. him, he found him naked or something in the convenience store and wandering down the road and then he had a heart attack. And what? How is this Randy? What? <laughs> Well, yeah, Randy, he'd been struggling with alcohol for years prior as well. Oh, but, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. See, so I thought he had gotten it under control, and I think, so, you know, you know how it is when you're an alcoholic yeah. or an addict of any sort. It's, it takes a lot of hard work to stay on that wagon. So. Yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> but I heard he's getting better. He was at a award show recently, and he was walking and able to talk again. So hopefully he can get back to normal and start recording again. Good deal. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. And sadly, we lost Patrick Swayze. Uh, but this is like, Little. this is the thing where he started putting, he put on more muscle. He chopped off his hair because he was known for kind of the longer hair for a long time. And he looks lean and mean and just so focused in this film. Yeah. I see. Definitely not the Patrick Swayze we were left with. No. <laughs> well, I think if I remember correctly, you know, of course, he had that little spurt where he did a bunch of action movies. You know, he did Red Dawn, he did Steel Dawn, um, he did uh, Roadhouse, Next of Kin, highly underrated. You really should see this yes. movie. It's great. Um, yes. Ben, ben Stiller as a mafioso bad guy? Kid you not, it actually works. I am stunned. Uh, and then he did, of course, the masterpiece known as Point Break. 
And then they went and redid it. Why? I don't know. Terrible movie. Terrible. I watched the whole thing and I was like, great stunts. I don't care. I don't care about any of this. (laughs) Keanu was in it. So I I love Keanu in certain things, but. (laughs) No, Keanu isn't in the remake. No, no, he's in the original. Oh, yeah, he's not the best part. Brody is the best part. Brody rules. Brody's the best part, yes. Um, but yeah, he, then he went off to... He wanted to be treated as a serious actor, which I think in most people's eyes they were, except for the critics. So then he went and did all those artistic films, and no one went and saw them, and then his career kind of bit the dust, and then here we are with Black Dog. Um, not a perfect film. No. Uh, the action sequences are fine. I think Meatloaf is terrible. The score is great. Uh, the direction is fine, but something dramatically is the weight just isn't there. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the two characters that they're with. I can't remember their names, but you know the one that's a cop and one that's uh, the goofy kid who says Perdiddle, which you and I loved that moment. We heard Perdiddle, we're like, oh my god, someone else knows that. <laughs> so he said P-Diddle. Didn't he say, no, no, that was another movie. You're right. You're right that. No, I think he does say Perdiddle. Did we Did we say P-Diddle or Perdiddle? We say Perdiddle, but... Okay. I thought it was this movie where he said P diddle, like he, he screwed it up. Anyway, oh. yeah, he doesn't know me. He's a faker. <laughs> but uh, I think anyway, those two, uh, I feel like, kind of dragged the movie down. I don't think they were necessary. Um, nope. They could have just made Randy Travis the cop and built from there. You know, um, we have Charles S. Dutton, of course, um, on the other side, the FBI side, and uh, he's a great character actor too, who I don't see anymore. I lost that. Who, who, oh, Charles Dutton. Okay, yeah, yes. Yeah. And yes. Uh, the other thing I want to say is there is a chase sequence in this where they're on the convoy. Or what do you call it? Not convoy. That's not what I want to say at all. You know when they're on the truck, <laughs> you know, the biker guys? And uh, I kept going, oh, Road Warrior. This feels like the end of Road Warrior. I don't know if that was kind of the inspiration. It's a really well-made action sequence. But um, yeah. I was like, this seems like the same exact setup. I, it, well, you know. There's only so much you can do with a truck, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's not, it's not exactly the most mobile vehicle you can do. Yeah. Well, no. what was the, well, there was something, though, that he did in it um, that I thought was interesting. You know when he's talking about the other guy was going too fast, he's going to hit the curb wrong, and he kind of spins out. Not spins out, but you know, like it, it buckles, and the truck like flips over. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's something you would have to do as a trucker. Yeah. Be aware of every turn. I mean, do, Were you scared being a oh, trucker? Oh, yeah. I was terrified of just like a normal truck. No, it's when I mean, you have your moments. Like when I was training, I was training out in the winter time. Oh boy! Driving a dedicated run back and forth in, through New York, um, uh, out to Portland, Maine. Uh, not New York City, New York State. So we're running around Buffalo and places like that. And winter hit hard out there. So I had my moments, but once I got through that, man, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. And I wasn't able to go over sixty-three mile an hour though. So they had me. Oh, gotcha. Collared yeah. to that. Well, so. you, you probably shouldn't go too fast <clears throat> with a truck. I, I see some of the lumber trucks that go around town because, uh, you know, mm. up, up in Oregon, it's, it's huge lo- logging area. And I'm like, oh, you're going way too fast. Oh, my God. I've seen Final Destination 2. I know what happens when those logs go flying off. <laughs> yeah, you ever find yourself backing way off? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, I'd called, pass it, but I know I'm going to die. Is it called so. jackknifing? Jackknifing when you take yeah. a turn too quickly and it, it flips out like your load comes in front of you. Well, yeah, when it when the when you bend in the middle, bend at the yeah, that's okay. jackknifing. Um, there's ways to get out of that, but it's a scary, scary situation. Oh boy. But, um, anyway. So, of the four movies, which is your favorite? 
four movies. What's my favorite? Um, well, dang it. I don't know if I could pick just one. All right. You know, honestly, I'm a real big fan of the uh, Peter Fonda one. And just because I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, Jerry Reed. Love Jerry Reed. <laughs> Jerry Reed. Why did I want to say Jerry Lee Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> Concrete Cowboys is a really good movie. And it was a pilot for a TV show. And I never got to see any of the episodes. I don't think anybody has them. But that movie you can find like in any collection. That thing is so easily available. Go find it. Concrete Cowboys is great. Him and Tom Selleck. Are great together. It's awesome. Sadly, but Tom yeah, the Selleck... Black Dog would have to be my second. Yeah, but... Tom Selleck's not into the contract, so he got to go off and do <laughs> Magnum PI, and then Jerry Reed got a new partner, and I heard he was terrible. Wait, Concrete Cowboys was that a TV show? Yeah, well, the one that you and I have seen is a pilot for a TV movie, and then there was a second movie, um, which is out there somewhere on VHS. It was never on DVD, but then there was a TV show after that. And it was like 13 episodes. It was Jerry Reed with this bland white guy, uh, you know, a blonde white guy, um, who was terrible. Just no Tom Selleck whatsoever. No charm. They had no chemistry, and the show got canceled quickly. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, well. Well, Jerry went on to better things anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not that the show was bad. I mean, they, you know. <laughs> well, I've never seen it, so I don't know. But I've just seen like the second movie where they replaced it. I was like, eh. Uh, so for me, it's Convoy, White Lion Fever, uh, Highballing. And then Black Dog, but they're all very entertaining. Yeah, it's, I'd have to say it's really hard to pick because they're all really good. We all picked right. a big bunch here. Yeah, uh, nothing really detail-wise with trucks because uh, I don't really know that much about trucks. I think, uh, hey, I know the word Peterbilt. I know what that means. <laughs> I know I was big in Indiana. That's about <laughs> it. Um, so that's it for this episode. Um, check us out on Facebook under Full Throttle Podcast. See all our episodes there. Uh, series is kind of over, but we're kind of doing some movie stuff, you know, talking about the movies that had to do with like cool vehicles and whatnot. Uh, otherwise, hey, have a good night. Hasta la vista. Well, that's a sad way to end this episode. Supposed to be the original score to Black Dog by George Clinton. Not that George Clinton, the different George Clinton. George Clinton? I know, right? It'd be all funky. <laughs> Here we go. There we go. That's how you end an episode. Let me get into this. As long as it doesn't have Meatloaf screaming at me. I'm going to get you, crew! <laughs> Welcome to Full Throttle Podcast. It's our final episode. Tim Harris is back. <laughs> As you can tell by the music, this episode will be covering Get Smart and the Monkeys. 50 years of the Monkeys? What? It's crazy. We're old. We're so old. 50 years? You mean I didn't watch it live the first time it was on? What? <laughs> Which you didn't know as a kid. None of these shows you knew were like old until later. It was like, oh no, that person's way, way older now. How's that possible? Well, this time, so let me, let's sit down for a second. As time goes by, these shows, <laughs> but you don't know because they're all sin. Um, so well, don't you know? 
So well, don't you know? What, when what? you're off TV, it adds 50 years. It does. It, it adds a bunch of pounds and age. Um, I think it was right. weird the first time I saw the Brady Bunch, like, beyond the syndicated show. It's like, you see a special, hey, it's been 15 years of the Brady Bunch. You're like, oh, they're like my parents' age. What the hell is going on? I'm very confused. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you feel bad because you're like, I had a crush on, oh. <laughs> I guess I'm into cougars, I guess. Weird. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I say this is the final episode because the main focus of the show was to cover cool cars and other vehicles in TV shows from our youth. You know, either they were in syndication reruns or first-run shows. And uh, we've basically come to the end of our list. There was a few shows that we thought about covering, but there just wasn't enough there. Or The shows were terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to cover Renegade. I'm sorry. What? You're a huge fan of Renegade. I'm sorry. We're not going to cover this. Um because the whole time I'd just be griping, and then you'd go into your motorcycle thing and be like a 10-minute episode. <laughs> um, we've done a few movie specials between seasons. Um, I think we're going to do a few more uh, movie specials. I don't know if they'll be full-throttle episodes, or we'll move them over to the other podcast, Video Night, which solely focuses on movies, but we'll throw in you know cool car details. But this is it for us as a regular episode. Uh, thank you for being patient. We originally planned on this being a one-year event where we do an episode every two weeks. Life happens, gets in the way sometimes, and we end up doing them like every month or every six weeks. Thank you for all your support. Um, yes. Uh, I can't believe how big some of these episodes have been. I know the numbers for normal people are like, what? Uh, that's not very high. But when you see Dukes of Hazard get beyond 500 downloads, Airwolf beyond 600, you know, we have our Back to the Future episodes, four digits, you know, you're just stunned. And um, we got see the jig I danced. <laughs> we did get a few complaints about not getting details right. And I'm not going to say I'm a 100% expert on any of this stuff. It's just something fun to discuss. Me um, neither. We try to find information and provide it who, uh, who are kind of new to the show or just kind of interested in cool cars from the shows. But like I said, we're not experts. We're just fans. And um, I say full disclosure. They, exactly. I'm a fan. So I'm learning as I go as well, just like everyone out there. So Yeah. Well, not everyone. Obviously, there's some experts out there, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you, everybody, for the last two years. Um, we will come back, like I said, with a couple of movie specials. But next year, our new show is going to launch. I don't know if we're going to call it Full Throttle Sci-Fi. We were talking about that for a long time, but I was thinking it'd be something else. Maybe like the Beyond cast. You know, any show that goes beyond reality that we can cover horror, sci-fi, fantasy, like that. We should probably discuss this off air instead of wasting your time figuring this one out. What? <laughs> We should let them in on it. They're like our board, you know. That anyway. is true. We should let them know what show we're in. So it'll be either Full Throttle Sci-Fi or maybe Podcast, uh, if no one's taken that name already. Um, they probably will the minute they hear this. I'm like, ah, still in that. Dang it. <laughs> 15,000 hits for, oh. Anyway, way to go. All right, so let's start off with Get Smart. Uh, Get Smart is not a TV show I actually experienced very much as a kid. I don't, you know, our go-to was always 55. Uh, Channel 55, which would eventually become like a Fox syndicate, um, mm -hmm. they were the ones that always had the reruns we'd watch. You know, Mr. Belvedere, WKRP, Little House on Prairie, stuff like that. But I don't recall them ever can get smart. I don't think it was till later when it was on Nick at Night is the first time I experienced Did you watch this um, as a kid? I did, but it was usually when I was, like you said, at Nick at Night or something along those lines. It was always at Grandma's house. Yeah. Because we didn't have cable. Exactly. Watch that's, any of it, so. uh, I was always at my grandmother's house. I'd watch it. She's like, "Just go upstairs and watch the kid. You know, <laughs> go watch those shows on right? night. Leave me alone. We'll watch, you know, uh, <laughs> um, uh, laughing and get smart and the monkeys and stuff like that. That's when I experienced a lot of these shows. Um, 
this is one that I actually heard of first through a movie called The Nude Bomb, which I thought was a filthy movie. I didn't know <laughs> until I read up on it. I was like, oh, it's based on a TV show, Get Smart? That's weird. I've never heard of that. And then you start doing some research, and especially as you get older when you realize how much you love Mel Brooks. Uh, Buck Henry was always kind of a go-to like um, intellectual comedy, like good satire kind of stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't think I watched it until probably high school, like I said on, no, not Naked Night, it was on, um, TV Land is where I first experienced it. Uh, I watched that, and it was back-to-back with, um, Bilko, Sergeant Bilko. Oh, yes. But still, it's not a show ah. that I watched on a regular basis. Um, do you know of Inspector Gadget before Get Smart? Uh, no, I did not. I knew Get Smart before Inspector Gadget, oh, but okay. probably only vaguely. <laughs> yeah, to be honest. In Tennessee Tuxedo. So I knew him from the cartoons first. Well, Chumley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you believe? <laughs> All these catch lines. <laughs> um, Inspector Gadget feels like a weird hybrid, uh, yet smart and like train. <laughs> Did I see this wrong? I don't know. Maybe I was doing a search for something the other or earlier, and I s- think I vaguely saw it. I was doing it on break at work, so I had to go. Before I could really delve into it any deeper, but was there a cartoon of Get Smart? Yeah, I really don't think so. There was the original series, and then there was a movie in 1980 Bomb, and then I think ABC right. did Get Smart Again, um, which was popular Ugh. enough. It was no, I think it was 1990 when Get Smart Again. It was popular enough that Fox picked it up, um, and they called it Get Smart, same title. So when you buy it on disc, you're like, oh my god, I get the entire series for <laughs> five bucks. What what's going on? But it only lasted 13 episodes. Andy Dick played his. Um, it wasn't very right. good. It honestly wasn't good. A lot of it falls on the writers, not the cast. Yeah, I, yeah. I, well, I tried to watch in that a little bit, a little bit of that, and I couldn't get into it. I, it very seems very dry to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, don't know. It, it I just have the same satirical tone that Mel Brooks and Buck Henry brought to the show. Right. Exactly. And who can top anyway? But um, I really enjoyed the movie. The uh, I know some people hate it's not as satirical. It's more like an action comedy. Um, but I really liked the 2008 movie, and I wish that they would have another sequel. I, I really thought they set it up for this whole world, but for some reason they can't get everybody together for a sequel. And I guess you'll have to deal with the directed video spinoff, Bruce and Lloyd out of control, to Get Smart. Like, see. <laughs> sort of? Sort of. Well, it's a sidestep. It takes place literally as Get Smart is, you know, the storyline is concurrent. Where they designed this robot, which is, um, crap, I can't remember his name. You know, Putty from Seinfeld. Uh, Patrick Warburton, um, who played the Tick. Uh, oh, plays, yes. He plays, like, their robot creation or whatever, and they get into all wacky hijinks. You know, I never, as I was going through the episodes, I never got to the episode with the robot that was supposed to be, like, his best friend or whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but. Yeah, I, uh, like... I have a weird, I have a hard time. This movie seemed like a moron, but I have a hard time with uh, black and white. So watching the first season was actually coming, so I had to watch some later episodes on color. I don't know why I have this problem. The only show that never bothered me was, like, uh, The Addams Family and Monsters because they're they're dark in tone, you know what I mean? So it didn't bother me that it was black and white because it felt like it was necessary. Um, yeah. But I got to have that technicolor. I had the bright. When color first came out for television, it was so super insanely bright. I think it was to show buyers, um, hey, you've got to get this E. Look at this. It's amazing color. And everything was so livid. You know, or did I say the wrong word? Livid? <laughs> they were so angry. There's a lot of red. <laughs> a lot of red. Um, you know, the, the funny oh, thing my is, gosh. This, this, I don't think people realize how much spy stuff was going on at this time. We've always had spy movie shows, but we're talking like after Goldfinch exploded, everybody was doing spy movie shows. But as far as I know, this is only full-on spoof. Um, In Came Flint was kind of a tongue version of Bond, but this is the only one that was like straight-up comedy. Really? 
I think so. I don't feel like there was another spy comedy at all until much, much later. I could be wrong. When it comes to this era, there's not a whole lot of, I've watched, so to be honest. But... Okay, so let me ask Unless... you this. The nemesis of control is spelled K-A-O-S. How would you pronounce it? How would you pronounce it? Chaos. Chaos. I've heard people call it chaos numerous times. I'm like, how do you get chaos <laughs> from that? It's, I'm pretty sure it's chaos. I was looking into the details on it, and it said, somebody thought it was an acronym, and somebody wrongly reported that it was an acronym um, that, I guess, Mel Brooks and, and uh, what was the other guy's name, that they wanted it to be an acronym like like the man from UNCLE and things like that, but it was wrongly reported. They, uh, the whole point is, evil brings chaos, the opposite of that is control, type of, anyway. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, so... Um, so yeah, like this show, it's so funny when shows back in the 60s, they would, they must have wore their cast out constantly in so many episodes. Because five seasons, 138 episodes, you're talking probably minimum 30 episodes. That's, uh, I would think, exhausted from all that. I took, I watched a little, uh, was a biography or whatever it is on, oh crap. Don Adams? Don Adams. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Anyway. Brain fart. I just got off work and I went in at like three thirty in the morning. So, eh. <laughs> <That's> so <crazy. laughs> why would you do this? Well, it gets me off work for the kids after in the yeah, afternoon, so it works. And I'm working, so I'm not complaining. Yeah. But um, anyway, I was I, I digress. That was more I that I know about Down Adams than anything. I guess he's one of those typical typecast characters, unfortunately. Yeah, it's kind of sad, because even After Inspector this. Gadget is still kind of typecasting him. There was a TV show he did, I think it was only on for one season, two, um, it was called Check It Out, where he worked at a, he was a manager of a grocery store, and he used to show it like mm -hmm. on Saturday afternoons or Sunday mornings on Fox, and um, you know, it was like one of those typical syndicated comedies, and I was like, well this is a completely different than Get Smart, but he had to go to like low-rent syndicated television in order to break out from the Maxwell Smart role. Right. I say, like everyone who goes into comedy, they at some point want to go. I want to do drama, you know, and it didn't turn out too good for him, unfortunately. No, it's um, I always seem like the last couple of decades of his life where um, they would, you'd only ever see him if they're doing a special at the Playboy Mansion. Oh, Hugh Hefner is hanging out with his pals playing uh, cards, and you see like James Caan, and, and they're always Don <laughs> Adams would always be there, and you're like, that's. I guess he's retired. <laughs> you, you save enough money though from. Uh, get smart. You could probably live off that forever. Oh yeah, it's funny looking at him because he he reminded me a lot of Kenny Rogers in his older years, his later years. Very red, tanned, and <laughs> leather, leather skin, leather, leather skin. So yeah. Guys. Well, I think a lot of it is uh, Cary Grant kind of was the first person to do this. He would get heavily tanned, um, so he didn't have to wear makeup. Uh, he hated makeup mm. and broke him out, so he'd always be kind of tanned. But then he started taking it so far that he's like leather face. <laughs> so put a little bit of lotion on the skin. Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> That's a good oh, good All right, night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so good what are the details night. on the cool car from Get Smart? The details, well, I've got some pretty good. Um, the Sunbeam Tiger was it was his go-to car, actually. Uh, but there's a funny thing about this. Um it says, although a V8-powered Sunbeam Tiger was used in the opening credits, that's not the car that he drove most of the time. You may see it once in a while, but it, typically he drove a four-cylinder Alpine uh, in the episodes themselves, and that's the car that typically uh, that he pretty much held on to for the rest of the seasons. Now, 
the latest, the fifth season, he did drive a 69 Opel G, and unfortunately I can't find more information on that and whether or not that was actually his go-to car in that season. So I'm sorry about the lack of details on that. Um, I had all this at one point, and stupid me uh, seems to have deleted <laughs> my file so um, i'll have to come back to that but anyway um the cool thing about this sunbeam was it was actually both the alpine and the tiger were built by a company called roots group um but the sunbeam name was owned was its own company until sales forced them like slow sales forced them to sell in 35 to roots group and at some point or another they wanted a car they saw the success of the shelby ac cobra which was the AC Ace, I think they called it. It was a conversion that Shel- uh, Carol Shelby did to, you know, well, we all know what the uh, Shelby Cobra is, what it is, and it's history. But um, Shelby actually had a hand in the development of the Tiger as well. And they conversed back and forth. And I guess it was like $10,000 he would do the engineering for it along with those lines. And then he got uh, royalties or whatever for every car sale. I, I guess that's what you call it, but... Um, but they shoved a 4.3 liter cubic inch or a 260 cubic inch V8 into that tiny little car that used to hold a uh, 1494 cc four cylinder, which in and of itself was a nice uh, performing engine for such a small car. And I guess pe- people raced that uh, stock as it was. But once they dropped that V8 in there, there's a funny story on this one. They said that the lead guy there at uh, one of the guys at their roots group. Uh, did a really good job uh, in the test drive of the car, but he drove it with the handbrake on. So he had no idea what that car could actually do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were they weren't they were they weren't overall overall impressed with the car itself when it came back uh, overseas for them to see it firsthand after Shelby got done doing his magic, and uh, it all it took was getting behind the wheel and taking it out of the track before they they complete 180. It's like, yes, it still looks similar to the original car, but once you get in behind it, you realize it is not. Okay, everybody, uh, we had audio problem there, so we actually forgot where we were. It took us so long to get back up and running, and it's my fault. My phone has a brain of its own. Um, so I think we were kind of at the end of the whole car thing. I think. I don't know. Where I, Do you remember the last thing you said? Uh, I think what I was getting ready to say, or what I was getting ready to say was, um, you remember that little Dodge Omni that Kevin and Lindsay had back in high school? Nope. Little Tiny little silver car. Anyway, it's a little next-to-nothing car. But Shelby had a hand in creating his own Omni, which was a fun little pocket rocket. So beyond that, this Sunbeam Tiger is actually within the realm of possibility of someone, Joe Schmoes like us, to actually be able to afford to buy these days. You can't afford to buy an AC Shelby. You go buy one of these Sunbeam Tigers if you can find one. And it's an excellent, fun car to drive. By the way, pocket rocket sounds really It does sound really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so everybody I'm not just... sure that's the right term. I think that's more of those little those little bikes you're supposed to buy. Yeah, you remember yeah, I remember, do they still make those things? Those stupid little tiny motorcycles that you have to like, yes. throw your back out trying to control? That five hundred pound guys drive around like Yeah, I'm so far, my back, oh god. <laughs> it looks like you pooped out a but motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, it's coming out. Oh, oh. oh it was the rear view mirror. It comes out sounding like a... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, all you have to do is pull back on them like a little car and they go. 
right, I so must say, is most people I see riding those things are really large. Yes, you never see a kid so riding I, one of those because they have more common sense than adults, apparently. Right, but the cool thing is that I'm impressed because they, they move with them on them. Yeah. So, anyway, I keep I expecting digress. someone to turn a corner and just plop right down there. I'm like, oh, my arm, it's all cut out of me. <laughs> what if you get road rash on that? Oh, anyway. So Try what was the game that we used to play on the Sega? I think it was on the Sega, or maybe it was a PlayStation, where you would on, be on the motorcycles and you hit each other with the chain. You hit each other with your bikes. Road Rash, maybe. I think it was called Road Rash. All right, <laughs> that was a fun game actually. <laughs> it's weird the games that we played as a kid were so much more simple and, and enjoyable. I think you don't have to devote entire months. To, I was like, oh god, I'm only on level one. I've been on this for six months. You mean like brandless games like Postal? Oh god, no. I'm thinking more like <laughs> my, one of my favorite games of all time is Borderlands. But sweet God, I'm, I've been playing it for years, and I don't think I'm ever going to finish it. It's like, there's no end inside. I don't care anymore. Where's Borderlands 2? Let's start that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, we're meandering off. Yeah, I don't think I've finished either one of those. But, yeah, we're going <laughs> off topic again, aren't we? Um, we're off the reservation. All right. All so right. that is Get Smart for you. I definitely recommend that one. Um, but it is another one of those. Uh, you can just watch a few, and you're good for, like, a long time. There's no real continuous story. I think at the end it started to chill a little bit, you know, them getting married and having kids and uh, the villains changing up. But and that's usually what happens at the end of a series is they'll change something dramatically, hoping that people will come back to the show. But it's always too late. It's too late. Like any Batgirl at the end of Batman series. <laughs> All right. So uh, that is it for Get Smart. Let's start the monkey. Here we come. Walking down the street. I gotta tell you what, I'm so excited about this one. Uh, I just went and saw the monkey. Um, I know it's not the monkeys, like all four of them, it never really will be, especially with Davey <laughs> being gone and, and Mickey and, um, uh, not Mickey, Mickey, Michael tends not to do the tour. He'll show up every once in a while, he'll do an album here and there. So it hasn't been really the four monkeys, of course, since probably 69, but oh, it was so enjoyable. They were so good, even in their 70s. I, I, it's one of the most enjoyable concerts I think I've ever been to. What I love about this one is the fact that it's. Unlike some of them, where bands who cannot act for crap decide to do TV, yeah, this was the other way around. <laughs> like, like, sorry, I think so. They actually there is some decent acting in the show itself. And I was when I went into it, this podcast getting prepared for it, I didn't know that detail. I'm like, this is so much better than watching. The, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the Beatles, but this is so much better than watching the Beatles try to act <laughs> you know <laughs> okay so i am of the mind and i know it's insane people tend to go oh the beatles or the rolling stones i'm like i can i have the monkeys is this an option because i know they didn't write most of their songs especially not until like their third or fourth album is when they took more control those first two albums a lot of it was just written by you know hired writers michael would get a song in maybe would get a song in but you know they get so much shit for that you know the fact that they didn't write their own songs well, look at Frank Sinatra. Look at Dean Martin. They, they're considered two of the greatest singers of all time. No one gives them any crap about the fact that most of their songs are written by right. other people. Right. So that's it's, it's all in the presentation. I mean, seriously. Right. They are um, entertainers. Um, yep. They're still artists, but I think their their focus was on internet. So therefore, you know, it, it would be harder to do the albums because they were constantly on tour. Looking at the reality of the Monkees, insane because they seem to be doing a concert every day, and when 
they were done with the concert, they would go into the studio and record, or they would do it before the concert, and, and then they're shooting the show. So it's like three days on tour, three days shooting the show. I mean, did they ever have a day off period? Because the union back then wasn't as strict. They probably were at the point of exhaustion constantly. They were all kids then, right? I yeah. mean, no, they oh. had a lot more energy. If you did that to me now, I'd be like, hold on a second. I'm going to take a couple days off. <laughs> I can't do that. That's insane. When you're 19, I'm like, give me some caffeine. I'm good to go. <laughs> Where's Give me a jolt. <laughs> Where's that 7-Eleven cappuccino I need so much with so much sugar? <laughs> <laughs> How much did we sleep at that age? I swear, we would constantly run. We'd go to school and um, do our homework, hang out, stay up all night playing video games and watching movies. And we're like, oh, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I guess I have to be up at 7 to go to class. <laughs> I remember closing McDonald's and then staying up the rest of the night. I mean... <laughs> yeah, and then you just come to school. I remember one time I uh, stayed up all night, all night. We were watching movies. And I had too much cappuccino, so I couldn't sleep. And then I had to do an eight-hour shift at Walmart. Then I came home, and I was still not ready to fall asleep. And I was just like, <laughs> He sounded just like that, folks. <laughs> I was like, the monkey's over there talking to me. Ah, this is Jesus in my brain. <laughs> um, okay, I got a cat. Won't leave me alone. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so yeah, the concert is still amazing. They're on their 50th anniversary tour right now. Um, I'm probably going to say this is going to be one of their last tours. They can't keep going like that. They might do special stuff here and there. But you're, right. I mean, really, I remember 70 years old when I was a kid was dead. You know, you weren't on tour. You were either crippled along, like, back in my day, you know. And um, nobody was out in concert rocking it out, playing the drums. Mickey's still playing drums. And it's like, you're like 72. That's crazy. <laughs> Science. Hey, when you're a drummer, you're in great shape. Yeah, that's one guy in the base, one guy in any band I would never want to screw with is the drummer. Yeah, he, is he gets crazy. one punch on and you're dead. It's weird how many bands rip through drummers. You'll see them go through drummers like ACDC seems to have a new drummer every single time they have an album. And of course, mind you, they go years between albums, but still, it's like, oh, you got another guy. All right, what happened? <laughs> like, oh, he's the same guy. He's always been with us. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, <clears throat> Mickey is the drummer, but um, he didn't do a lot of the sessions, or if he did, they had to cut him up so much uh, in order to streamline the song because he just wasn't a very good drummer. In fact, he got sick of it, so um, by the time the show was canceled, he was having someone else drum while he was a front man. And um, I guess later in the 80s, he discovered like the love for drumming, and he started taking it up again. That's why now, when he's on tour, um, he doesn't do all the songs. He only does like probably three or four songs where he drums. But it's a lot of fun seeing him drum along with it. And he's like, still got the beat, still got the rhythm. But I wonder if afterwards he's like, ah, my shoulder, I need an ice pack. <laughs> <laughs> I need the Bengay. Oh. <laughs> um, this is a show that I discovered on Nick at Night. Uh, when it first launched, it launched in laughing and stuff like that. And I think it's all because, um, A, Nickelodeon realized they can't keep airing their kids' shows. No one wants to watch. You can't do that on television. I mean, I would have. But most probably <laughs> weren't even awake. So they need to gear towards the boomer babies. And MTV had done a run of the monkeys for like a while. I think like a 48 hour marathon or something like that. And it got huge ratings and they decided to bring them back. You know, and, and after all those years, they come back with a new album, which is terrible. Um, I hate to say it, but Pool It is an awful album. And it's definitely the worst of their bunch. They would get better later with Just Us. And the new one is really great. Um, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's really great. And um, Mickey 
uh, Dave, Peter, you know, they were the only three really as part of that album. I don't know why Michael didn't want to be part of it, want to get away from the monkeys, nostalgia. But he also was movies at this time in his own albums. Uh, have you ever seen Repo Man? I believe I watched it at your house at one point. Maybe. Uh, Emilio Estevez, he produced that. He produced Tape Heads with John yes. Cusack and Tim Robbins. So he's producing movies at this time. Time Chaser, which is uh, Fred Ward on a motorcycle, and he goes back in time to the Old West. Uh, so he's doing those movies, and he basically was one of the originators of the concept of MT. Like, he did a show after Saturday Night Live where he would put together a sketch uh, material, but also with original music video, and had tried to sell that idea to Paramount, and they went their own direction. Like a whole channel just for videos, no sketches. Well, where is he now? Um, I don't know. Honestly, he made so much money from Whiteout because his mother had created Whiteout, so he made like I think he inherited like twenty-five million dollars off of that and put it into his own company. I think he, if I remember correctly, he owned Monterey Video, which was a video releasing company. He sold the rights to that. So he's just been really smart business-wise, and you know, he still gets music from, or music, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? You know, where you get a paycheck every once in a while, and someone like, or... Royalties. Royalties, duh, so tired. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he probably lives off royalties, too, because he does not really take part of the touring. He did a small run after Davey died, um, but he announced, I think about a month ago, his last concert was the one in L.A., and I'm like, no, 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 you're going to be up here in Oregon, and like, you know, four days, stay with it for a little bit longer. Ah! <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a uh, every album is just so fantastic, and there's some stuff that you discover later that wasn't really part of the show. That's really good. Like they had a lot of country stuff towards the end of their album, which Michael mm-hmm. was more responsible for, or maybe folksy kind of um, experimental music that Peter was focused on. Michael and Davey kind of did the pop hits, you know, the ones that all the kids. And they just kind of want right. to be entertainers, while the other two wanted to be full-on respected artists. So I can see that there was a little confliction. Did Davey ever learn how to dance? <laughs> I don't know. Do you count that as a dance, that little shuffle? I mean, little, it's kind of tambourine. Like, this is kind of yeah. It's just kind of a shuffle back and forth. It's kind of like um, what's the dance that Steven Tyler has? You know, that little sidestepper thing. Um, right. I, I don't count that as dancing, but it's kind of like just a jig. You know, like, ah, la, 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 back and forth. Just getting into the groove. You know, right. <laughs> This is your space right here. Don't go too far. <laughs> so I thought that watching this show again was going to be kind of terrible because I've grown up so much since I originally watched it. You know, I thought maybe it would be silly and painful. And there are some episodes where it's clearly like all like the Marx Brothers or kind of material. And like the plots go nowhere. It's just set up for them to show a music video of them performing, you know, something like that. But there's some really intelligent episodes, especially in season two, that were... Uh, subtly, like, social and um, economical, you know, diplomatic, you know, in, in the way that it approached stuff. And it tried to have more heart in silly romps. And um, I give him respect for that. But I don't, I really don't yeah. know why the show burned out so fast. Just two seasons, how it was a phenomenon, and then, now nah, we're good. Um, I haven't seen the end of the season, so I don't, when did it end? It was 66 to 67, and then 67 to 68. I think they wanted to do a variety show after that but abc just wasn't interested anymore and Mm. that was it they would show up on other variety shows but i think that ditching them completely was a terrible idea and they should have gone with a variety show it'd been cool to see the monkeys do like one song you know of their own then maybe one cover and then have guests on to play with them in the sketches and other songs right i mean this is the heyday of all that variety show stuff too so what else was out what was coming out around that time um I mean, it was anything that took over? I mean, 
Well, actually, let me look. Um, I should have looked before I did this, but it, it was probably TV started to change around '69 into more serious fare. If you look at if you look at sitcoms um, in '66 and then you look at them in 1971, wildly different. They were more silly, uh, you know, like Gilligan's Island, F Troop, stuff like that. You know, more innocent. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Vietnam is coming to an end, and then the shows start getting like more. Um, more like All in the Family, you know, stuff where they started tackling important issues of the day, and it started getting more risque. It, they felt more like stage plays, but, you know, as a sitcom, mm. whereas the stuff in right. the 60s, there wasn't any real repercussions, any overlying storyline, you know, continue from episode to episode. Um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly. I'm trying to find it here, but I'm just not finding what took over for the monks. I'm sure somebody out there. But almost immediately after it was canceled, it was taken to Saturday mornings. Now, I'm kind of surprised that if it was such a big hit on Saturday mornings, why didn't they do the show with a lower budget, you know, in that format? Right. Maybe the monkeys didn't want to do it. Maybe they thought, well, you know, we want some respect. We can't just start doing a kid's show. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know. Like you said earlier, I mean, that was a lot of stuff going on. Maybe they got burnt out, but... Uh... It said somewhere, wasn't at some point towards the end there, their music career actually started to really take off to the point where they actually outsold one of the years, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I mean, that's how good they were doing. I wonder if, I don't know, who knows, but. Yeah, their music style changes. If you look at um, more of the monkeys and you go over to Pisces, Aquarius, uh, shit, a Taurus and Jones? I'm going to get that wrong. I know it's something like that. Um. You know, they have completely taken over control now. They have fired their music producer, who was way too controlling. He wouldn't let them breathe at all. And he was the one keeping them on tour, like, nonstop. Um, you know, that, that album is a lot more thoughtful and pensive, which maybe at the time, um, it was because of the Vietnam War and the hippie revolution and stuff like that. It was like, this is groundbreaking. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. I think it's funny is that not only did they um, not do a TV show, but they went and did a movie called Head, which I haven't seen yet. I have sitting on my computer. I should have watched it before we did this. But um, it is trippy, what I've seen of it. It is very strange. It's so nonlinear in its storyline. It's more like a collection of videos patched together with some sort of tangential uh, plot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, it came to an end. It's so weird, though. Like I said, TV shows were phenomenons for such a short period of time and just, like, moved on. Attention spans, they talk about now how we have such a short attention span. No, <laughs> look at it back then. Every like major TV show that you remember, I was like, oh, three seasons, oh, two and a half, two, one. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, syndication reruns that really helped TV shows like The Monkey so that a new audience discover it. And um, I don't know if you know this, but there was a TV show called The New Monkey, 1987, which I thought for the longest time was just the old monkey just in an updated storyline. Oh, it's them in 87, they're on a reunion tour, you know? No, completely different cast. And, and they called them the monkeys. Why why, why hire new people, new names, um, new characters, and call it the monkeys? No one's going to care. This was 87? Yeah. What we said? Yeah, so they're like hair metal, you know? They're like hair metal monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have never... Yeah, there's a couple Probably, of thankfully, like, never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's not very good. Those guys couldn't act, and, and a couple songs are done, but that's about it. It's really surreal. Um, it's very strange. It's like they're trapped inside this man, and they do their concerts. It's an oddball choice, and it only lasted 13 episodes. I don't even think they aired all 13 episodes because it was so hated. 13 episodes. Anyway, lucky number 13. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not lucky for a TV show, that's for sure. All right, so no. um, this is the part where we get to the Monkey Mobile. The Monkey Mobile. Well, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while now, you've probably heard of the name Dean Jeffries, who yeah. may or may not have designed a lot of the cars that, unfortunately, my 
you know, I love George Barris, but unfortunately he never actually came out and argued the point that he may or may not have designed some of the cars that he took credit for. Not outright did it. People would give him credit for it, and then he wouldn't argue the fact. That's right. not cool. Gene Jeffries did a lot of these cars, and or at least had a big hand in them, and this was one of them. Now, this is this guy's name, uh, Wangers. Wangers. You I'm, call me a wanger? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what His name is Jim Pontiac's promotion guru. Jim Wangers is his name. Uh, anyway, um, they had convinced him that. Uh, they could do this car tastefully. If they put this car into the show, that would give them great exposure because it would be, expo- you know, to the younger shot, that would be people who would want, they want to sell this to in the first place. Um, they're uh, GTOs. <clears throat> uh, you see, the thing was stretched by 21 inches. The whole nose looks like a big cartoon <laughs> thing. It's got a GMC 671 supercharger, two of them, it says. Um, well, superchargers, but, um, custom fender exhaust where they come out underneath the front. Um, you know, most fenders, they'll they'll come out underneath the sides or they'll come out the side behind the back wheel. These come out the front wheel. Well, (laughs) anyway, these superchargers, they put them in there said, it said that it worked a little bit too well because it was all but undrivable. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So uh, but it said it worked out pretty good because they take it to promotions and stuff like that, and they'd be, they could do an exhibition wheelies, or burnouts and things like that. So, you know, because that's what we want to see, right? We don't care what's under the hood; we just want to see it shred a tire. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can get it to pop up on its back two wheels, well, yeah, that's even better. So, <clears throat> anyway, the the engine underneath the hood was a three eighty nine cubic V eight. Uh, I guess Jeffrey's finished the car in ten days. Wow. That's impressive. Ten days. And this thing looks, I mean, you look at it, you tell it's a GTO, obviously, but it's so cartoony looking. It's so, it's a, uh, this car what's the word like I'm looking for? Races. Do you remember that cartoon? Right. Yes. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. <laughs> <That laughs> so I'm like, they did there, this in ten days. These guys are awesome. What? There's a movie with Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon called The Great Race from Blake Edwards, and it's all like a live action cartoon where they race across the world in their cars. And they have cars like this that are just really bonkers and strange looking. Uh, if you've never seen it, you've got to watch it. It's so great, but it's super long. It's like two and a half hours. We love it. The other thing is, it, because it ended up looking cartoony, our our friend and uh, I don't want to call him a jailbird or whatever, or whatever he was, so I can't. <laughs> John DeLorean, ah. uh, in management at GM, was not pleased. Obviously, as he said, he thought they went too far, and but, you know, it worked. Um, well, this is the big seller I guess, for toys. Uh, you know, the kit cars right. and, like, the little miniature, you know, like the Hot Wheels style cars. In fact, didn't they come back with, like, a bunch of TV cars Hot Wheels did a few years ago where you get the Star Scene Hutch car and stuff like that? And they had the Monkey Mobile. Am I wrong? Yes. Okay. I think, you're, I think you're right on that one. I think I might have – well, I don't have the Monkey Mobile, but I have some of the other ones. Um, yes, I still collect toys. <laughs> I do, too, <laughs> if I had a room for them. I, I, we can't get – through this episode without doing this at least once. We consider this our finest, final one. So everybody hold up your glasses. One interesting tidbit of information about the Monkey Mobile was uh, it was actually found in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Get this. It was painted pink <laughs> and was used as a shuttle vehicle for a hotel. What? No. How? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is it was yeah, it's in a private collection now, so it's oh, it's man. back where it belongs. Oh. Uh, what did it say? Uh, 1992. Uh, it was seized and they sold it. They auctioned it off and it sold for five grand. That's a bargain. <laughs> Would you love to have been at that freaking auction? Well, I know, guess what it went for at, well, this is 2008. This is the only number I have. Um, but at the 2008 auction, uh, Barrett Jackson auction, it went for $396,000. Uh, jaw meat floor. But actually, that's a pretty mo- That's a good bargain, actually. If you that's think pretty about modest. It. Yeah, 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 that's pretty modest. But still, I can see it going up from there. I mean, 2008, that was a few years ago. I can see it going... Up quite a bit from there, but I don't know. Man. I like, do I need a house or do I can I live in the car? I think I'll live in the back of that car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's it has been time. updated. I didn't understand why they had a bench seat in the back, and I thought about it for a long time. I was like, oh, duh! How could I not figure that out? They were on tour constantly. They use that for touring. <laughs> of course, they're going to need the back seat for all their equipment. Wait, how'd they fit the drums? Right? Did they put it all in there? Maybe they didn't. I guess I never noticed that before. I don't think they ever showed us ever carrying any equipment around. I guess maybe once in a while they might have had a guitar in the back seat. They had no roadies. <laughs> Actually, the car I saw them in when in the first episode I watched um, wasn't even this car. Honestly, I've seen probably every episode of this four or five times back in the day, but leading up to this podcast, I didn't get to the car. You believe that? Oh, you mean um, the little car they had for the first what handful of episodes? Yeah, it was that little Woody, but I, I can't the life of me finding out figure out what it was. I'll bet the IMCDB has probably has something on it, but um, oh, it's just a '36 Ford V8. That's what it's. Oh, okay. That illusion. Oh, I thought I lost you there, but no, no. yeah. Who, who wouldn't want an old Ford Woody? <laughs> <laughs> I love having a Woody. <laughs> a big old Woody. <laughs> oh man, <clears throat> there's a way you'll find it. Yep, isn't there? <laughs> we'll take it everywhere we go. The girls love a good Woody out in the road. Hey, how you doing? Want to ride my Woody? Oh, my. <laughs> I'm sorry. I took it. Oh, I'll stop it. I'll stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good I'm, night. I'm um. <laughs> um, so that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode. I want to ask you this, though. Who is your favorite of the monkey, and what is probably your favorite song? Oh, crap. See, now there's where you lose me, because I watched the show, but as far as music goes, I not that I wouldn't have listened to him because I like him, but I can't remember a single tune. What? but my favorite of them would would be michael i i just like his he's got that kind of southern charm thing going on and anyway i i I dry humor thing like michael but i gotta say uh nick um sometimes his hamminess with the jokes were were almost over the top like a a little bit annoying but when it came to the songs he always sang like kind of the rockers you know i'm not your stepping stone daydream believer no i'm sorry i'm a believer Davey sang uh, Daydream Believer. By the way, Daydream Believer is a uh, movie from VH1 about their life. Um, it's actually pretty good, even though they, they switched things around a little bit. Peter was actually the first one to quit. In the movie, they act like he's the last one to quit, and Michael's the first one. So that is kind of part of the storyline that's not correct. But it's a really good movie for uh, a you know, low-budget uh, movie. Um, check that one out. It's kind of hard to find, but it's on disc. Um, there, the one that I really like is the one that's actually playing right now, Mary Mary, which Run DMC covered. Awesome. Yeah, um, there's a lot of great songs in there, but um, Aunt Griselda, <laughs> the one that Peter's saying, is so weird that it's it's so charming. It's one of my favorites as well. Um, this is a band that recorded so many songs, 
that yes, the original five with the whole uh, the the core four, all great. But if you go beyond that, after the band started breaking up, and you know eventually it's just you know those are really good. But there's a bunch from Rhino Records called Missing Link, which are like four or five albums of all the songs that were not on the show that were not part of the original albums. It's amazing how many good songs are just like, were throwaway. That yeah, okay. So how many songs did they release? Oh my god! You know that number? No, I don't know. Uh, I should look that up. How many songs? No, we probably know. Because who knows? They might still be looking around the vaults for more songs. Right. What's up? Missing links. I'm gonna look that up. Um, well, they're all up on YouTube. I know it's a little bit cheap, but if you just want to check them out, go to. They have the links up there. They'll list for free. I have to put a shout out. I'm looking at Mickey Delens here, and he looks an awful lot like my buddy from uh, uh, college. Man. I had a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had, I lost you for a second there. Oh, Sorry, fading, Joey, my buddy Joey from yeah. from college. He looks just like him. He's got the same kind of mannerisms, and well, he's not quite over the top as he, as Mickey is, but he's a little more reserved. Does he have the big curly hair? <laughs> yeah, he, well, I don't know if he got the curly hair, but he had. Uh, he's definitely got the same kind of facial features and and, and build, but, and it, I found him pretty funny. Man. <laughs> none of you can. None of you really care about this. No, it's funny. So at, the time, at the time, I thought their band was so lame. I was like, oh, uh, what was it called? Flipside. And I was like, they're just singing like Dave Matthews yes. covers and Wallflowers. And I was like, it's so lame. You know, I was during my like punk rebellious period. And now as an older person, I'm like, oh, oh, no, I get that. That's actually the, the exact correct choice. Because, you know, we didn't have normal concert halls where we lived. We just had coffee houses and stuff like that. And there's no way they're going to play like punk and metal in a coffee house. That's the only place I would pay them. So yeah, playing those songs, and I have so much nostalgia now for late 90s, like uh, adult alternative kind of music, mm-hmm. which is the complete opposite of what we're talking about right now, which is popcorn. No, and, you know, it's <laughs> funny, if you listen to the first two albums, they are pretty popcorn. You know, they're kid-friendly, they're um, major, teeny bopper kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden it switches and it becomes more sophisticated. And I can see why they didn't have as many hit singles, because it wasn't as catchy, but they had a lot more depth. Okay, so... Um, well... Check out their new album, Good Times. It's really great. It is mostly written by other artists, but um, it's like a lot of contemporary guys. You know, we're talking like the Weezer guys uh, do a song for them. Um, uh, no, uh, Death Cat for Cutie. You know, some of these cool contemporary guys. If you like, um, oh, damn it. I forgot the name of it. Hold on. Fountains of Wayne. Fountains <laughs> of Wayne. Uh, the guy who is the lead of Fountains of Wayne is the main producer on this album. And you really get to see how much fun, like, it, they're like kind of got a surf vibe, you know, a little bit of the Beach Boys, early monkeys, that's, that's how the album goes, it's a lot of fun, it's really awesome. great, good times, go check it out, go see them on their final tour, which I think is their final tour, I might be lying, um, they're on their 50th anniversary tour right now, and thank you everybody for two years, of, Yes. honestly, we were pretty sporadic and I didn't think people were going to stick around, we had a couple episodes that bombed. And we didn't know why, but we repost them, and people, like, really embraced them. Like, the A-Team episode confused the hell out of us. They're like, it's only 20 downloads. How's this possible? <laughs> but um, I think it's because we're more down-to-earth than <laughs> even with all the mistakes that I make. Yeah. I think it brings it closer to home, maybe. Well, that's I don't the great know. thing about podcasting is, yes, there are some full-on professionals like X-Radio people. Technically, we're both X-Radio people. Um, I was in it longer than you, but not that much longer. Um, you know, I think it's just... I was more behind the scenes, so... Yeah, you were, like, my producer... <laughs> Um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that thank you so, so much for all the love that you yes. guys have given us and sharing the show and supporting us, but we, we've run out of basically what we want to talk about. I think we'll do a couple movie specials, like I said, and then that'll be it. We'll come out with a new show. We'll give you a, a heads up on our page, Full Throttle Podcast. 
on Facebook, or you can check it out on Retro Rocket Entertainment, which is the main page for all the podcasts that we do. Ron likes to guest uh, every once in a while on Back in Tunes. We'll do stuff like that. We just did a Halloween episode, which was phenomenal. People really love the heavy metal horror episode. Um, and that is yes. it. There's nothing really else for me to say. <laughs> well, I cried. Farewell. Ron, thank you. Thank you so much for all the hard work you've well, done over the last couple thank of years. thank you. And the patience for, for waiting around. Including me in this. You know, it's fun doing this when there's a delay. <laughs> is there, uh, we were fine for a while, but then there was a big, long delay. Anyway, thanks again for uh, including me or thinking about me in this. It's been a lot of fun. All right, everybody. That's it for us here. Full Throttle Podcast. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. Thank you. See, I don't want to end on such a soft song. Come on. Yeah. Where's my tambourine? Interesting tidbit. What? I'm dancing a jig right now. Are you? <laughs> Take another drink, by the way. He said tidbit. <laughs> oh, God, the music's so good. I know that Neil Diamond and other guys came in and wrote those songs. But they're so good. All right, that's it. Sorry, we'll leave now. Bye. That's going to be scared. Everybody have a good night. We're going to go now. Bye.